0: Welcome to Ben Navarre's podcast
1: with your host Ben Navarres
2: Damn. Yeah, so this is this. This feels quality. This feels professional.
1: That's the idea. Yeah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna level up from Nolan's podcast to this one. <laughs> It's a it's a growing process, you know. Like you can't just get it right on the first time, I guess, right?
2: Right on. I'm about that. I'm about to level up. All
1: right. Howdy, and welcome back to the Benimonist Podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, of course. So um, today we have on. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, CJ Bridges, and CJ is a fellow competitor of sorts. Uh, He competes at the gym. That's that's mainly how we know each other. Um, And so I wanted to bring you on to kind of talk about your experience in your life and your progress to becoming where you are today in both professionally and um, spiritually, emotionally, however you want to add all those things up together, but uh, also in the world of athletes and competition. I feel like I've interviewed a lot of athletes at this point, and I kind of feel like it's a good little niche. Um, So we're going to continue with it. So I want to come all the way back and like start from the very beginning. Where are you from?
2: So I'm from from right here in um, the BCS area. I was born at the St. Joe's in Bryan, Texas. So Um, I grew up there all the way up until, uh, well, I went to private school up till like fourth grade and then again until eighth grade. Uh, and then I moved to College Station after I was in a car accident with my mom. Uh, and then I started going to
1: high school in College Station at AM Consolidated Go Tigers. What happened? When was the car accident?
2: That was in 2010, or was it 2012? I don't even remember anymore. Been a little while ago. What happened? So we were, uh, we used to work at Christmas in the park, which is uh, an event they have here every year, um, by the parks and recreation department, uh, used to be at Steven C beachy park. And then they had it at uh, Wolfpen Creek. And it was the end of the night. I had a buddy of mine. He came with me to work to make a little extra money. They didn't pay me in real money. They would pay me in gift cards. It was kind of cool though. I got to help out, like be a part of the magic, whatever. Um, But it was late at night, we're driving on our way back home and some guy was, I think he was high and drunk at the same time, merged into our lane and we uh, basically got pit maneuvered into the median, rolled over a bunch and ended up on the other side of traffic. So my mom was the only one who took like serious injuries from it. So she broke all of her cervical vertebrae and was paralyzed for a month. I got out with just a bruise on my arm, thank God. Um,
1: Were you in the back, in the front?
2: I was in the front, and then my friend, he was in the back. He also only had, like, a, um, I think it was something with his shoulder, maybe, and his nose. Um, so we, we got away very lucky, but my mom, she definitely got the worst of it. Um, and it's a miracle that she's alive today, but...
1: Uh, what what yeah. was the difference? Why did she come away with not such a good experience and you all came away fine what made the difference well looking
2: at the the vehicle i i remember seeing a picture of it i mean just the way that that vehicle the car rolled pretty much just her side caved in and all the rest of the car was normal so it's just how it happened you know there is no predicting i guess how a vehicle is going to roll over yeah. so yeah.
1: yeah that's scary how old were
2: you oh at the time i was well, if it was 2010, I would have been 12. I think it was 2010. I want
1: to say 2010. So, yeah. Was it a wake-up call at all? Or, like, were you scared for your mom? Did you realize, you were conscious? Were you aware?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was conscious through the whole thing. It was, it was really tough at the time because just two years earlier, I grew up living with basically my mom. I had two girls that were raised as my sisters. So, they're my real family, basically. My mom, my two sisters, and my grandma. My grandma just passed two years before that. Um, and that was a difficult loss for all of us because she was just kind of like this real tough old lady, like very much um, will command her respect for sure. That's my GG. And um, so, yeah, it was really difficult in the moment. I was broken, you know, like losing the only two like people who, you know, care about me or so i thought and then um, she finally regained consciousness and uh, i remember there was a lady who was there who helped me and my buddy just kind of like keep it together cuz i was just losing my mind and he was like you know wandering trying to figure out what to do and it's like that that bystander effect you know you always think someone else is going to help no one else helps but um i don't know who she was but there was some lady there she called the uh, 911 and Uh, just kept me under wraps and then my mom finally came back to consciousness and was breathing and I was like, okay, like from here, I just had this feeling that she was going to make it
1: and she did. In that moment where you're like bawling your eyes out, like shaking your mom and asking mom's okay? Like,
2: well, I wasn't shaking her because, um, I could kind of tell that she, there was probably something wrong
1: with her spinal
2: cord because she's unconscious and just the way she was sitting, like it was pretty obvious. Um, and so, and also like that same person told me like, Hey, like we can't move her out of the vehicle. Just be cool. But yeah, once she came back to, I just had this really, I don't know, I was very confident that things were going to be okay
1: just for whatever reason. So, and so you guys get to the hospital and then do you find out then that she's gonna, like, she's paralyzed? Like,
2: yeah. So the, we get to the hospital and the doctor basically says, um, you know, well, it was a whole ordeal with the CSPD because um, she was also carrying the money that um, the Parks Department makes from taking like the pictures with Santa Claus because that was her job.
1: So, that so her she money. had
2: this little... So they they take pictures with Santa Claus at Christmas in okay. the park, right? And it's like a dollar if you let the Parks people take it or you can take it for free yourself. So she's got this little bank envelope with a bunch mm-hmm. of cash in it. And then we get in a wreck with some dude who has drugs and and the drugs somehow ended up in our vehicle. So we think maybe they came by and threw it in there. That's a whole thing. Whatever. Um and yeah, so there was a whole ordeal with the police department. I don't really want to get into that, but essentially the doctors, um, they didn't really have a very positive overview. They were just like, yeah, this is how she's gonna be for the rest of her life. Um probably not going to recover. We'll be quadriplegic and so um luckily my mom's boss Sheila Walker and um, her husband now Scott Hooks they took me in uh, basically for the first maybe it was two years of high school something like that and I lived with them and they basically became my my parents until my mom um got better she was in therapy for so she was paralyzed for about a month and then um she started to wiggle her toes and then we were like, okay, well, maybe we can do more about it. So she, uh, got moved down to Houston. I think it's called tear Memorial. That's a rehab facility there and they specialize in spinal cord injuries. And so she was there for a little while. I can't remember how long, but, um, she made a lot of progress there. She's my mom is easily like one of the biggest inspirations to me, like tough, a fighter, does not give up, does not give up. And so it's been very cool to have that as
1: something to look up to. I think you have people who end up having kind of injuries like that, that kind of give in or give up or it's too hard. It, it hurts. I can't imagine. I mean, I've heard that there, it's an extremely painful process to go through uh, having to learn how to walk again and, and just gaining control of that, that tissue. I can't imagine. I mean, I just, that's insane. Can't imagine.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, she, she would always just, be recalling stories of the people that she uh, had as like roommates and they're just sitting there like, I don't want to do it. This sucks, blah, blah, blah. And she's in there trying to bust her ass to get into rehab, you know, even when they don't want her in there because she hates being taken care of and sitting still and letting people do stuff for her. And so
1: is she first generation American or her grandparents? uh, Because I feel like a lot of immigrants tend to have that kind of same yeah, I don't even know if like, I don't know where y'all originate or anything, but I just feel like that's a a trend.
2: Yeah, no, she's American. Um, my mom was is fully black, and my grandma they were from like the Amarillo area, I think, originally,
1: and then they they moved here. So Has she always just had that mentality of just hard working and, and
2: absolutely. You have to know my Gigi, my grandma.
1: That's how she was. That makes sense. I, so. uh,
2: very well. So. Um, My grandpa, who I never met, he passed away when my uh, Gigi was very young. So she had to adopt kind of that single mother mentality of, okay, well, if I don't raise these kids, you know, what's going to happen to them, right? So you got to start taking responsibility for a lot of things. And luckily she stepped up to the plate and showed her kids how to do it, including my mom. And,
1: you know, that kind of values carried down in a positive way. And... Is, is your mom a single mom as well? Cause I haven't heard, I don't think I've really heard you ever talk about your dad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole other story too. Um, my dad is, um, he was in my life pretty early on. I think it was like, oh man, second or third grade when they finally just split up um, because it came out that he had,
1: a whole other family, somewhere else, and but it drove your mom to be almost you know she saw her mom, you saw you know GGB right she was that. equipped to, to handle she, that she kind of knew what it was going to take I guess to and she wasn't she had a mom who stepped up she was going to be that mom who stepped up as well and I mean it seems like she did it quite well, absolutely would agree. And so she was there, she started wiggling her toes and, and started going through that process. Did you get to like go visit her fairly often or were you, like, how was that?
2: Yeah, so I went a couple times. Um, there was also one of my mom's best friends. Her name was uh, Maggie Claypool. Uh, rest in peace. She passed away from breast cancer shortly after. Um, uh, it was a couple of years after my mom had gotten out of rehab. We actually lived with her for a while, too, and she took care of my mom and me um i oh man what was i saying oh yeah i would go to visit her and uh my mom hated eating the hospital food there so we would take her like some pork chops some real good food you know and um she would eat that instead because that hospital food was garbage so she'd be like you know what i think i'm just gonna have a pb and j and then we come and hook her up on the weekend so it was good it was cool but I also got to see the the people who work with her, and that really inspired me, I guess, to want to help build people up. That was kind of an interesting um, point in my life. You know, it was kind of pivotal, it was right at the end of eighth grade, you know, when you're still just kind of looking for
1: where you want to go. Especially, I mean, mom being away and then dad not being there, and maybe you have your grandma there, but then having outside people realizing, oh, like, you can this person you can grow and be someone who helps other people grow too it's right. an important piece of the puzzle absolutely so do you want to stay do you want to do I i'm trailing off a little bit but do you want to get involved in the the how how does that manifest for you like how does it look to you helping other people and helping people grow
2: well i think a big part of that also like so shortly after that whole accident happened. Um, I started going to a church here in town called a Church of Christ and, um, the youth minister there, his name's Monty, great guy, definitely like huge influence on me. Um, but like, I just really kind of dove into Christianity and really embraced it. I grew up, like I went to church with my grandma, like from the time I was real little, she'd be trying to wrangle me around in the church. Um, but after she passed away, you know my mom was a single mom working multiple jobs, so not really time to get to church anymore. So I kind of fell off the wagon for a little bit, but once I dove back into it, I saw that like you can really help people to grow like that um in more ways than just your occupation, you know. And so I think that's kind of what I aim to do like no matter what I'm doing, if it's working uh a job on the side or if it's, you know, being in the gym and giving people advice, showing them like, Hey, you know, make this correction and watch what happens, you know, seeing people grow from what little influence I can give them is really, it's good for me.
1: I think it's a a larger impact than you think it is. I think we always like diminish that, that value that you can add to somebody. But I mean, those people that were there for your mom were trying to do their best, but then by proxy impacted you, you know, like, right. It, and it was just the fact that they were acting the way that they were being there, doing their job, going through their own. I and mean, I can't imagine what else was going on at home or whatever that was in their personal lives, but still showing up for your mom there every single day. And then you noticing that as an eighth grade, like, damn, like th- that's, that's crazy.
2: Yeah. I've always, someone has told me that I'm a person who a lot of things have happened to as opposed to like, bad things have happened to me, I haven't really made bad choices. Um, but through that, I think I've been able to learn. It's given me lots of opportunities to grow.
1: I, w- I want to talk more about that, but I want to backtrack a little bit to your mom. So she she's in therapy for, for the two years.
2: Something like that, yeah. Ish,
1: right? uh, so at two years, she doesn't come out and she's boom, good to go, is she?
2: Right. That's not how it works. So she was in a halo for a little while. I remember that. Um, and then once she was out of the halo, she went to outpatient therapy at uh, St. Joe's here in town. And then eventually, um, she was doing so good there. Like she started walking there, I believe for the first time, uh, like on crutches. Um, I actually have the video on my phone of her walking, uh, mostly unassisted, for the first time that I saw, and that was, that's a powerful video, man. Does it, I mean, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Oh, man, oh, man it, I but, cried, but. cried the first time I saw it. Like, you know, going from hearing all these people saying, like, she's not gonna make it, like, she's gonna be bedridden, and, you know, obviously it's gonna be my responsibility to take care of her. Uh, getting to see the defiance and the, it's a different kind of strength, you know, I'm in the gym all the time, but, I still don't have that kind of strength, you know? So it's, it's definitely cool.
1: Just, it, it almost gives you like, it brings it to tears a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, pretty yes, intense. Dude. Like it's, it's a moving, it's, it's moving. Yeah. I mean, just to, to be there that day when you're, you know, you thought you thought you're going to lose your mom. Like, and then, mm-hmm. and then at that point, what are you left with? You know, like, and then being able to see her grow through that process, you grow through that process. and, living with somebody else and learning how to adapt to the new family. And like, I'm sure that they were great people, but they're still not, they're still not mom. Yeah. Right. Right. So right. who were those two people that you, you said you stayed with?
2: Uh, so Sheila and
1: Scott, Sheila and Scott. And
2: we call them my second parents. So second mom, second dad. And Scott's and more like real dad,
1: but <laughs> yeah. So then how did you, uh, how are, who are Sheila and Scott? Like family, friends, like from the church,
2: so, um, at first they were just, they were, uh, in very high positions or maybe even, um, like Sheila was the director of Wolfpin Creek, I think for a time. And Scott was in charge of the maintenance crew, uh, for college station parks and recreation. So, I mean, they're just people who worked for the city essentially. And then my mom's boss by proxy, cause she worked for the city as well. What good people. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of crazy, like, how many people can say, like, their bosses would take care of their kids for them?
1: (laughs) Very few. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I owe them a ton, and, you know, I try to go by and see them and check on them now, Um, because they're getting older. I mean, they still work, but I love them to death, you know? They're basically like
1: my real parents. And, I mean, how often do you still see them, like, since they, I wish they still live here, and you're from here, and like, how? Yeah, so they,
2: um, they live nearby. I'll try to go and see them maybe once a month, something like that. You know, it's difficult as I get older, and I'm trying to work and achieve my stuff. You know, there's never enough time in the day, but I try to go and see them every now and then, check on them. They, uh, they foster cats. That's their thing now. So
1: it's kind of almost similar, you know. They're still taking people in. Still, taking yeah, they things. they can't help it.
2: That's just that's who they are. They're selfless, and they just want to give their love.
1: That's also, I mean, being around those people, yeah, you get to see your, you get to see like all sides of it. I mean, what an impactful time to be.
2: I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I've been surrounded by so it's many insane. people, for sure.
1: Is that something you like realize on a daily basis, or is it something you have to like bring yourself back to and kind of remember? Like, I mean, we all get bogged down in the day to day, right? But is it something that it's? Pretty, you seem like a pretty like cheerful, but also at the same time like relaxed guy. Like it's, it's like all in there at the same time, especially at the gym, like you're focused, but then like, you're also like dancing and having a good time. It's like, (laughs) do you have those moments in your brain where you're just like, man, I'm just like, like, just take a look around and just see where you've been and where you've come.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I really, I try to count my blessings every day. Um, And there's a lot of things that I think people initially wouldn't consider to be blessings that I would attribute to be blessings. You know, waking up in the morning, that's a blessing. There are some people who go to sleep and don't wake up the next morning. So you should count that as a blessing. Uh, Having a a roof over your head. Um, all All these little things, these tiny minor details. For me especially, though, being able to go into the gym, I've been injured a couple times with back problems. And not being able to do something that you love doing, it makes you really appreciate it a lot more. So every time I go into the gym, like... Some days I'll have terrible days, and I come in with a bad attitude. But at the end of the day, I'm super grateful that I can afford to work out, and I can afford to pursue this, you know, goal.
1: When so many people are struggling just day to day, getting by. How long have you been working out? Like, have you always been involved in the sports world?
2: Oh, so I, I went to private schools up till high school. So um, none of those really had organized sports. So I didn't start doing. Athletic things until ninth grade. So I was this little chubby kid came in and everyone was always like, oh, man, you should play football, play football. So
1: how was your, doing uh, the, sorry to cut you off, but how was your, before we get too far, your private school experience? I mean.
2: Um. So I actually was one of the first kids to go to uh, Cornerstone Christian Academy uh at least the the branches here i don't know if they have other branches elsewhere but it was me and two or three other kids it was a class of four and we all just kind of grew up together um i i liked it honestly i enjoyed having the attention when i was younger because i was also a little bit further ahead than some of my classmates and so my teachers were able to push me a little bit harder um then I probably would have gotten in public school. I probably would have just skirted by in public school and um, not has not developed this much.
1: Class sizes are like 10, 15 kids at a time. And that transition going from a private school to a public school, was it tough? Was it difficult seeing a transition, especially college station high school? Mm. The new one, right? The one.
2: No, I went to In
1: Okay. Uh,
2: they actually hadn't made the new high school when I when I got into high school. I'm kind of old now. Um, the transition really wasn't that bad. I kind of had like a miniature transition because I went from Cornerstone Christian Academy to Harmony Science Academy, which is a charter school, but also like mostly public. Uh, so that was kind of like a little, honestly, the perfect little bridge between the both worlds. Um, Because it was still smaller class sizes, but uh, socially, much different than going to a Christian private school.
1: Lots of hoodlums.
2: Hoodlums, we're all hoodlums. (laughs) It was middle middle school, man. There's nobody who went through middle school and didn't come out of hoodlum, for for sure. I refuse to believe that.
1: So you started doing stuff in ninth grade. What were you doing in ninth grade? What, at sports?
2: So football was the main thing. Um, I always wanted to play, like I always wanted to do some kind of sport and football just seemed the coolest. Um, But I was this, I was like, my freshman year I went in, I was probably like 200 pounds, like very unathletic. Obviously, I've never done anything athletic before then. And so they put me on offensive line and defensive line and I hated offensive line because like you're just taking it. For what, dude? Nobody cares about O line, so
1: you also uh, O line. I can't imagine your, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't
2: even want to talk about. It. I'm gonna get heated. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I just started, stopped going to the O line practice. I stayed with the D line
1: practice. So. Nice. What position did you play yeah. on D line?
2: I ended up playing defensive end. Um, my sophomore year, I wanted to move to like middle linebacker or something like that. I feel like I would have done a lot better. I was really fast and always getting held because I'm five foot eight <laughs> playing D line. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it was fun. I still loved it. You know, um, I was really good. I was decent pass rusher against people who weren't just like big enough to hold me with one arm. So.
1: Did you do you have did you have at the time the same? What seems like the same love for what you do have for weightlifting now for that same sport. Like, were you like in it? Like,
2: yeah. So the coaches at the time, they really were all about like, they kind of instilled this idea that if you sell out for whatever it is that you're doing, if you just work your hardest at something, take pride in what you do, really give it your all, then you'll be successful in life. That was like something they really tried to push um, to everyone. And I think that definitely had an impact for sure. So I was always trying to compete, like trying to push everyone around me and feeding off of them, trying to push me to, to get better. That was kind of the environment that they made as a team.
1: It's a pretty healthy environment to, to have. It was,
2: cool. it was cool for sure. Like, that's kind of why, like, I mean, you've been around me in the gym. I kind of like to hype people up and, and yell and make all this noise because that's just where I come from as far as you know, being an athlete. Do you think it's too quiet
1: in the gym sometimes? Do you think we can yell some more? Absolutely, same. Dude. I Absolutely. I think sometimes like I feel like everyone's just kind of like, what do we do? Like, what do we do? We talk to each other? Do we not talk to each other? And it's like just just hang. Like, do you remember the days where you're just like with your buddies and talking shit to each other and like hyping <laughs> each other up and like I I fucking miss those days and I and I wish it wasn't so like I don't know. It's just a little more relaxed, like the. There's, there's no judgment, you know, like everyone, but as in, at the same time, like you have new people that come in that don't feel that. And so, so it exists to some extent, but like, just relax, like we're all here together. Like we're all sharing the same thing. We can still like push each other a little bit and talk some shit.
2: I think the, <clears throat> the hardest thing for like new people to get into is just like, if it's not consistent, then they don't know like, well, what's acceptable. It's acceptable in high school when it's a football program because it's being facilitated by the coaches and everyone is generally trying to be a part of that culture. But if you just walk into a gym, like sometimes you don't know what the status quo is. There might be like two guys over there getting hype and then two guys over here just like doing their business, you know.
1: Where do you go? What do you do? Which one do you want to be a part of? I think the hype group is the one to be a part of, you know, like that's but at the same time not not everybody enjoys it, you know.
2: It's not for everybody yeah. for sure takes a special kind of person to uh
1: to like that I think I think I think people are better for it if they are able to like lean into it a little bit more I think oh, absolutely. you're able to create better relationships with people I think you I think there's there's a thing about that hype like I remember being on the a and team and just whenever there'd be a I'd, I'd go for a PR they would put the, the Mexican hat dance song on and it was <laughs> fucking blaring everyone's just like yelling and it was like it was the shit like Maybe it was it was funny that it was, like I was the only Mexican, like the guy who was not, I was the only Mexican, but I like on that platform uh, it was like a white guy, a two a couple white guys, an Asian dude, a black guy, and then I was the Mexican guy, and so we they would just fucking hyped it up, and it it was some of the coolest experiences I have videos of everyone like yelling at each other, and I just I wish there was a little bit more of that at the gym, but then at the same time like be the change that you want to see, you know, like right. just be that guy who if you that that's what I'm looking for, well then just just do it, you know.
2: Absolutely. I think competition brings out the best that you can offer, right? I mean, if you want to compete, if you want to win, you have to continue to get better. You know, if you stay the same, you're going to fall behind. So I definitely believe in that competitive drive. I'm always looking for like someone to be my rival. So right now it's a shout out to Ricky Reedus. Ricky Reedus, he's on my team at Texas Barbell. I uh, just made it official on Instagram DMs.
1: So. <laughs> and then now again, now it's on the podcast. Yeah. So then yeah. now it's official. Now we've got to get him on next I guess, and you guys can have shout outs to each other. And it's going to be a whole thing. Is he in the same weight class?
2: Yeah. So he, I think he used to be heavier, but he, he just came back from like a hamstring injury and competed as an 89 and he looks ripped and he's better than me now. So I was the best 89 and now he's
1: the best 89. So far, we'll see. Do you go out to Austin to go train with that that team? It's an Austin. No, no, yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah. go to Austin pretty uh, often,
0: or no?
2: I try to go as often as I can. Um, David Griffin, real busy guy, great coach, but um, he's always going somewhere or another coaching somebody up, and so whenever he's in town, I'll go.
1: If he's not, you know, I just just do my work. Who does he train? That like. That would be a common name. I mean, um,
2: So, I mean, his right now, I guess his most successful athlete would be uh, Brie Gomez. She just competed internationally or is going to compete internationally very soon. Um, she's on the University of Texas team. He coaches the entire University of Texas team also.
1: He did my USA weightlifting certification. That's where I okay, first met for yeah. the first time. And I mean, cool dude, extremely intelligent, very yes. smart guy um nice. he was in the military the marines and I, he did something with like cybersecurity or something like that and he was typing in his password into uh, the computer and everyone could see it and he it had to be like a like 30, 30 um characters long and then it couldn't spell any words and every single character had to be different like they couldn't nothing could follow each other so no no double t's no triple c's whatever and so it was this insanely long thing and every time you kept <laughs> getting it wrong and everyone in the class was like well, dude what like what are you doing it's like you have no idea what the stuff they would have to make us do in the military it's like this is a pretty soft password in comparison to what we had to do it's like damn that's pretty intense yeah
2: he's a he's a cool guy i like him a lot um, i just started working with him this year I mean, I've made huge gains since I think February is when I started working with
1: him. You're you're fucking insanely strong right now. Like you're fucking pushing some real good weight, like some real weight. Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel strong? Does it feel nice? Do, do, do you realize it? Yeah.
2: No, I'm still looking above me. So to me, I, I still just see the little way I have to go. But I I can definitely if I if I'm out of the gym and. Have time to just sit there and reflect. I can definitely just appreciate the progress I've made. It's been huge this year
1: alone. I mean, then there's still a long time to continue to go. And but is is the goal international competition? And and what does it look like in order to get there? Because I know in weightlifting, it's insane to get into the weightlift like into get to get to a spot. That's part of the reason that I was like, ah, I'm just gonna go back to powerlifting. It's like you have to be <laughs> on top of the world for four years in a row. Uh, to make it to the opportunity to compete for the Olympics and then you have to be top whatever because um, they only take so many men and women, four and four, something like that. And it's just, it, it, I don't understand why it has to be so difficult, but at the same time, that's also it, it's the Olympics, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as my goals, I would like to just try and place top 10 at a nationals, a senior nationals. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable goal for me. I think international, like, a lot of those people who compete internationally, like, they kind of just happen upon the sport, and they're really good at it. Like, um, who can I think of? Like, Maddie Rogers, Kate Vibert, um, Wes Kitts. Um, those are all people who, like, weightlifting was not their first sport, but once they got into it, they were just so gifted with strength and also just the ability to apply themselves that that's just where they are, you know, and I don't want to say like, I have to work harder than they do, but I would definitely have to make up for a lot more to try to make an international team, I think. So for now, my goal is just trying to make top 10 at a senior nationals. That'd be cool to say I was top 10 in the nation. That's what kind of numbers
1: are you looking at in order to hit like your clean and snatch?
2: Probably have to snatch one hundred forty to one hundred fifty kilos, probably more, and then probably have to clean and jerk um, one hundred eighty to one hundred ninety kilos. I think. So those are insane numbers. It's very ridiculous.
1: That weight class, that that. I mean, you're right like the, the average male, right? The average male height and size. And so you're competing against the largest population. So you have all these fucking insane athletes who are just insanely gifted genetically. And it's, it's a hard place to be.
2: I'll tell you what, man, I, I didn't realize like, like when I was, when I was in football, I was always shorter than everyone. So I was like, Oh, I'm just a short guy. Then I went to nationals and saw some of the people in person, like the top dogs. Like, they're shorter than me. Like, I love him to death. Nathan Damron, you're awesome. But, like, he's pretty short. And he moves like a hydraulic machine. I watched him clean and jerk 200 kilos in person. That was wild.
1: At 89 kilos? It looked like an empty bar. What are people, what are, if you wanted to be number one in the nation, what do you, what are the numbers to be able to get there? Like top 10 are 150, 160, 190. Well, so he put up at
2: nationals 165, 200. I'm pretty sure he's done more than that at international. I'm not sure, but.
1: So we, we trail off a little bit. I want to come back. So we, we talked about football and during your football days, were you were you lifting weights? Mm-hmm. Was it pretty aggressive? That's when I started, um, yeah, my weightlifting days. so like 2011, yeah. And was it good training? Like, or was it your, your typical?
2: So, when I first started there, they were just phasing out an old coach, coaching staff, because they actually split my class to create the new high school, CSHS, and um, and so they brought in new people, and along with them came this guy. His name's John Mitchell. Uh, he coaches, I think, for – Is it Corpus Christi? high school, something like that? Great coach. I mean, I would definitely say above average, if not probably one of the better high school strength and conditioning coaches you could find. And so, I mean, he taught us. He got us on starting um, to squat grass. He taught us how to do – uh, snatches. We were doing Hank snatches, power snatches, shit like that. Um, Damn.
1: That's some, that's some yeah. pretty elite-level stuff for for yeah, high school
2: jerks. Like he, Yeah, and it wasn't like... I wasn't like too in-depth by any means, but I mean, just having the ability to start so early, because um, I was also young for the grade, so when I started I was actually 14 years old training, so... But yeah. I mean, just having the ability to start training that so early and he would also we'd be in the gym lifting and he'd be playing some like heavy metal and then have cow strength videos blasted on the wall with a projector so that was cool getting exposed to that and i was like man that looks really cool and also i would always just do better at the snatch and the clean and jerk because i don't know benching and squatting um, and deadlifting was always harder
1: at the time interesting and it's cool that you were exposed to it so early on. Right. I, I for whatever reason, I thought you had like just started like really getting into it the last like, I don't know, three, four years or whatever it may be. No, but no I'm an old dog in the you've game. You've been doing this for quite some time. <laughs> and when was your first competition?
2: 2020.
1: So you started lift. you started doing the movements 2011 and your first competition was in 2020. Why?
2: So for the longest time, I, once I got out of high school, I finished my senior year. uh, Football was over and I was like, okay, if I want to keep eating and I do want to keep eating, I need to do something that's going to keep me in shape. And so I just wanted to keep doing weightlifting um, just as a hobby because I mean, it keeps me in shape and I have a lot of like family health stuff like diabetes runs in my family heart disease kidney disease all that kind of stuff and a lot of that is you can get rid of it by or you can avoid it by staying healthy and you know not getting obese so i kind of just stuck with it as a way to hopefully dodge those health problems and also just stay in shape and also i was just having a really good time um the only reason i wanted to compete why did i want to compete Oh yeah. So I had wanted to compete actually way before 2020, but I kept getting injured because I'd always pick a meet that would happen in October and whatever, for whatever reason, like once I got a good coach or started working with a coach, uh, something would happen with my back or my wrist or,
1: so it always just kept getting delayed and getting delayed. That's unfortunate but I mean it's, it it's part of the process like it's the reason why you You I mean it gives you more time to I guess assess and understand how your body moves and understand that proprioception and getting used to those movements in, in higher intensity positions or high intensity weights and levels right so who, who was that first coach and yeah who's the first coach
2: so I worked with um well so when I joined I was I was part of the A&M teams um when I started working, on like an actual weightlifting coach. And so at the time it was uh, Colin Phillips, I guess. Uh, he used to go to our gym. He doesn't anymore. So yeah, I was trained by him for a while. And there was another guy named Ross. Oh, I forget his last name. I think they were both coaching at one time or maybe it was Ross. Or I'm not 100% sure on all of it. But I was just working with a team who's specifically weightlifting at
1: that time. And so were you getting technique training along with the actual programming or were you okay nice and so did you learn a lot about how to program off of that or were you just kind of following the thing and trying to focus on one thing at a time
2: yeah for me me, I'm definitely like a one-track mind kind of guy so I can't really or I've never been good at like trying to do both of those at the same time Uh, but I definitely saw like the difference between
1: like stuff I was just making up on my own and then stuff that they had me doing did yours make sense after the fact or did you find flaws in in the thing after seeing other people write like oh man I could have done like why was I doing a strength cycle before a hypertrophy or something you know like something something, like something insane
0: yeah
2: so at the time I mean I wasn't really writing my own workouts I was kind of just going in and being like okay I want to snatch today and I'll squat, and then I'd be like, okay, I want to clean and jerk today, and I'll squat. <laughs> that was pretty much as, as in-depth as it got. I, I kind of kept, like, similar patterns to, like, what I was doing in football for the most part. So, like, in football, we would do snatches and bench on the same day and then um, clean and jerk and either deadlift or squat. So I was kind of um just kind of patterning my workouts after that.
1: And a lot of form – like, did you see – a difference in in form, either cues from Mitchell to being on the teams. Like were there things that were conflicting that you were like, "Well, shit! I thought like I was supposed to do it this way," and then did what? Did some of the things that Mitchell offered you were those items better than the ones that you learned on the team, and then vice? Versa. Uh,
2: so like Mitchell wasn't really giving super specific advice with it. Like he just had us start doing the movements because they apply very well to. Uh, like, just building explosive, fast athletes. And so we weren't, like, getting super technical with it. It was just like, hey, like, you're making the correct extension at the hip and the bar is moving quickly. Awesome. Um, and you're not going to kill yourself by dropping it on your head, right? We
1: know how to um, release a bar. Go this way and go that. Right? Yes, maybe. And no? Yeah. <laughs>
2: no, that is correct. You need to keep your arms locked out and then, you know. Just let the bar fall. I think that's a get out of the it's way. It's a skill, like you know. That's something yes. you have
1: to re- like teach an athlete when they first come in. It's like yeah. you got to learn how to bail on the bar. You're like, wait, what? It's like we're gonna put weight on the bar that you like. You can live, but we're gonna just we're gonna throw it this way and we're gonna throw it that way so that whenever you get do get under a weight, you're like, okay, like I got it, okay. Yeah, you'd be shook.
2: <laughs> <people>.
0: <laughs>
2: um. But yeah, once I started working with the team, the the variation of exercises that was targeting like certain technical errors, that was the biggest difference. Um, So, for example, like the value of doing a snatch off the blocks to correct, um, you know, improper balance at that point in the lift, stuff like that. That was the biggest thing was just like.
1: Using different variations of the lifts to address technical issues and give you time to work on them versus out. them just being an added thing yes. to get like an accessory, yeah, an accessory for the sport. Versus okay, now we're going to learn how to do the sport, right. right? Exactly. So you first started lifting with your freshman year at A and M in Concha. Yeah, in Concha. Okay, so and then you said you're on A and M's team.
2: Mm-hmm. So I. Once I graduated high school, I went to Abilene Christian for a year, which is a different college.
1: Why? Why'd you leave? Um, or why'd you go? Yeah. Why, why'd you leave? I wanted to get out of
2: town for okay. sure. I wanted to try living on my own or at least away from my family. Um, just because, I mean, at that point in your life, like, basically an adult. It's a thing to I was, do. I was almost 18. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I need to see what it's what I can do on my own and not be, you know, coddled. Um so I went there for a year and then I was working out by myself doing that. And then when I came back, I started going to Grass Valley, I think, maybe a year or two later. I went to some other gyms from in between.
1: And so it seems like you know everybody on that side of the world pretty well. Like Sam, I think Sam's the coach for the A&M team. Yep. Did you ever work with Sam as well? Yeah,
2: I did. Yeah, I did. So I worked under Colin. I worked under Zach Tallender when he was there. Um, and then I worked with Sam a little bit. Yeah. I've worked with Sam for maybe a year.
1: Each coach has specific, uh, traditionally like each coach has a specific perception they can, they can pick apart a, a snatch a little differently and make you that much better. What I, I want to interview Sam, but what do you think Sam has offered you in, in, in terms of your training? Um, was it snatch? Was it clean and jerk specific? Like, I don't know if that's a hard question. I don't know if that's a hard question to answer. I can cut this out.
2: Uh, that is a hard question to answer. I think more than anything, the the aggression uh, of making an attempt, like Sam, is very good at coaching that. like specific things about the lifts. I I guess I didn't really pick up on those from him, but definitely just this idea of sometimes when you approach that bar, like you can't be thinking about anything. You just need to pull it with some intensity and, you know, trust your training, trust the pull, trust, trust that all this work that you've done before is going to help you succeed in this lift and just do it.
1: Just be an athlete. Right. 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 That was one thing Nolan that said, you just – kept on missing a snatch or whatever. Maybe I like, just, just go be an athlete. I was
0: like,
1: oh, all right. And just go up there and lift. And, and, and usually that cue oddly enough works. Cause I think it gets people <laughs> out of their head right. is the, right. What do you tell yourself? Like we you, I saw you attempting some pretty heavy snatches. What do, What are you going in your mind and telling yourself in the middle of approaching that bar?
2: Yes. Yeah. So, um, it's this really cool thing. Zach Talender made a video. It's called the, I think it's the white moment, something like that um and it kind of just happens like once you get past a certain percentage for me it's like uh 85% i have to stop thinking about all the little technical things that i'm doing with the lift cuz up like up to that point i can pretty much control the bar however i want to but once i hit that point i need to stop thinking about it and just pull as hard as i can and do everything with more effort and less thought because your, your mind will actually slow you down. So I'm sitting there before I get on the bar. I just clear my mind thinking of absolutely nothing, I'm trying to think of absolutely nothing. Um, sometimes I'll close my eyes and that helps, um, especially in competition. I'll close my eyes and then I hear my name get called. And all of a sudden it's like, I just appear <laughs> and I'm there and I just got to take the attempt. And it's either
1: not up or shut up. Are you a, are you a jams guy? Are you like I don't know if I ever really see you putting headphones or earphones in.
2: Um, I do I do listen to music occasionally. I'm pretty much good with whatever they play at the gym, no matter how old the playlist is. Um, yeah, I can get down to some music for the most part. Um, but I like stuff that's like kind of higher tempo.
1: Aggressive tempos for sure what is your career in in the weightlifting world look like like if, if are you looking at five years are you looking at like what is do you have your an end timeline and when you're trying to look and get out yes
2: yeah, so yeah so i would like to hopefully be close to or done with my goal by the time
1: i am 30
2: so that's about five years yeah damn that's
1: gonna come up pretty quick
2: it is, it is. it's not a lot of time um and I wish I had applied myself as well as I am now
1: earlier, but life happens. So, what what stopped you from being as engaged?
0: Um,
2: it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I've really kind of, especially I mean, this year alone, I've really centered a lot of what I do around my training and my my weightlifting. So. Um, the jobs that I work are all part-time so that I can accommodate recovery and, you know, the time that it takes me to live.
1: That's hard. And also, and also eating. It's very hard. Are you are you a macro guy? Do you do you track everything pretty regularly or not so much?
2: I don't, I don't track everything. I kind of, I always read the, like, label. So I know, I have a general amount of how much I'll, I've eaten in a day. So I'll know if I'm under or over by X amount. And then I mostly will keep track of the protein that I'm getting, too. That's really all I care about. That and just trying to eat less processed stuff. I feel like that's all of us should, should be better about doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's the bare minimum, honestly. I think if you really want to like be athletic and good at it, trying to eat clean and then at
1: least have an idea of if you're under overeating. I feel like that's a bare minimum. Have you been able to like like be around and just live a life with with these high intent like these elite tier athletes? Like just going to the meets and seeing them exist is it something that you like envision yourself being able to do as well? Um,
2: I have a very uh, short sight when it comes to the future, so I don't I don't ever really envision myself like a year or five years into the future. I just envision like what I'm about to do, you know, today and tomorrow. That's what I always say. What can I do today? And what can I do tomorrow? And that's about as far as I look, um, like in my head.
1: I think that's probably a a good thing. I mean, I think there is value to having a long-term plan.
2: And I'm working on that. I'm trying to. How are you working on it uh so I'm trying to um create shorter well longer term goals for me, but just shorter goals that are more achievable because I think part of well, my history with my life, things happening that are really out of my control for a long time, I kind of just didn't see the value in making a plan because well, look what happens, you know. You could get in an accident tomorrow and then your plane goes to to waste um, but I'm trying to set things that are not you know so conditional that that I, I can't allow some room for life to happen and so I've been trying to do better at that especially putting things in my calendar on my phone that helps
1: that's like the hardest thing I feel like it's such a simple thing to do but mm-hmm. doing it and then following through with it setting up having to set up meetings and set up times to do the thing seems to be more difficult than not for whatever reason. And I think the only reason that I've gotten better at it is because I was forced to by the job. It's like I have to follow Mm. schedules. And so then now I'm like scheduled out for the next four weeks. But otherwise it really is a skill. Like it's not something that I don't think think we're naturally given or born with. I think some people are, but I think that most people really aren't, especially now in today's society with, with the phones and the instant and the everything is now. I was talking with a friend the other day and it's like, he he was waiting for something for five seconds or at the gym, you know, he's had a scan in. He's at he scanned in and then it just took a it just took a little extra too long to like beep or to open up the door and he was like, What the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> what is happening right now? I got pre-workout in my veins. I need to get the fuck into this gym. Yeah. yeah. And then after the fact he was like, Holy shit, like what an impatient son of a bitch I'm being right it's a problem i think a, a lot of us have I and mean, we only ever see the immediate and i think there's value to seeing that immediate right it's it's not uh, there's i don't know all sorts of instagram stuff that I, that I watch right you look too far into the future you're anxious you look too far into the past you're a you become depressed right living in that moment mm-hmm. and understanding that now is the time that you're having i think it creates a little bit more appreciation for the time the being grateful in that moment Um, to be alive, to be able to sit down and on on a Saturday and just you know have to work out, have someone to talk to, like little things like that that are just they're valuable, you know. So, what is like now? What is your goal for today and tomorrow? If those are your things, and what is what are your goals for today and for tomorrow?
2: Yeah, so today I'm gonna go. uh, After this, I'm probably gonna hang out with my girlfriend and her parents. Um, And I probably need to go and eat. You haven't eaten yet? No, I haven't. Eaten. I got I, I got out of the gym, showered, and I came straight here. Damn, I was too I was too excited.
1: <laughs> what? This is what, cool. I'm I'm glad. I think it, it is cool. I like that. Like it, it feels more professional. We're getting we're getting places. We're growing. We're doing things. Um, hopefully, it continues to grow and, and continue to get some really cool people on. Um, and I think being a guest on other people's podcasts would be kind of cool. And now I'm getting too far, like probably into the weeds about the podcasting thing. But um, it's it's fun to just start like like you said earlier like the more that you put on like hard work into something and compete and like have that uh that drive to just be better at the thing that you're doing the better that it gets and it's just like be like truly honestly investing in this and buying the new computer and buying the it's it was now that i'm in the middle of it and i sat down yesterday and like set it all up and i was like oh my god this is so fucking cool i get to have <laughs> more people that would like oh shit like there's something there's there's a level of progress that's happening and i think we can all get i mean i definitely can get like beat myself up initially like oh man it's not like it's not very good and it's but like it's not gonna be you know like um oh, there's another really fun little saying. It's like you have to be a disaster before you're a master the first time you mm-hmm. weight lifted you weren't good i'm sure absolutely not. nobody's ever fucking good on the first, first
2: time, time I, I maxed on a power clean my feet almost went off the edges of the platform. Trash. That's scary. Hot garbage. <laughs> Hot
1: garbage. It, yeah and it just do you have any of those videos?
2: No. I mean I have I have videos from my senior year. I did uh I snatched two twenty five and I clean and jerked two ninety five my senior year of high school.
1: Those are some pretty fat numbers. They
2: are. They are. It made me wish that I had competed earlier. Um, And had, like, coaching and stuff like that.
1: It's having the right time, being in the right moment, and having all the the right things just fall into place. Absolutely. It's not ever just given. It is, like, and a lot of it is luck. And it's, like, could you have? Obviously not because it didn't happen, right? There was Mm -hmm. the the resources, the timing just wasn't there. And so you continue to move through it. Now you are where you are. But, I mean, even then you're still killing it like you're still like you're still pursuing a dream and whether you get to that dream or not there's gonna be so many steps along that that process that you're gonna learn so much about who you are and yourself and it'll keep you healthy I mean you can keep on eating all the fuck you want you know yeah
2: yeah actually the coolest thing that I like about uh competing is uh it gives me a chance to confront my anxiety and all the the self-doubts uh, for a while, actually, I had depression uh, pretty bad after my first year of college, because uh, I went through a really bad breakup. It was my first breakup, and, I don't know, it just hit me in such a way that I was depressed pretty bad, and that stuck with me for a few years. But the first time I stepped on a platform, uh, I was in my own head, and I was hearing all these, these, these things, you know, saying like, oh, you're not good enough, like can't do this and getting to step out on that platform and tell myself to shut the fuck up. What a rewarding, I don't know how else to explain it, but it was, it's this greatest feeling of getting to prove to myself that like I'm worth investing in, you know, that's, I think that's an aspect of competition. Maybe it doesn't apply for everybody, but for sure it's one of my favorite parts about competition.
1: That you are worth investing in, like time and the the, the effort. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: That's pretty. That's pretty. That's a big thing to learn. Like that'll yeah. benefit you for the rest of your life. Yeah. If yeah. that's the only thing you come away with, that's a pretty big fucking amazing thing you come away. It with. It was worth it. It was worth it. If that's all,
2: if that's all I ever gonna get, gonna get, get, if I never make it to nationals again, you know, knowing that if I apply, my, apply myself and actually invest in whatever it is that I'm trying to do that I'll, I can be successful. Like, absolutely.
1: I think that's one of the coolest parts about the gym and just the idea that that good, honest work can lead into really amazing things is the most empowering thing that exists. I, if any, if everybody could just go to the gym and like really like, and I think it's an easy concept to understand whenever you're in the gym, I feel like there's a lot of things that are parallels to the gym in life. Um, and, but that's probably one of the biggest ones. It's like, you can see a a direct parallel of, oh, if I really take care of my health, my body, my mobility, my, my strength, and I follow a program and I'm diligent and I study and I learn, and then I put into action and I'm showing up and I'm doing all the things like you're doing all the steps. Like, it might not look like it in the middle of it, but you're doing all the steps. So just be patient and keep on fucking riding that role, you know? Like, it, God, Consistency, it's so man. fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> it hypes me the fuck up every time. It does. It's just, it, it is something that I I wish that everybody could understand. And it, it upsets me that, like, uh, physical education has gone out of the school systems. Like, what are we doing? Like, why? Like, we have a problem here. Like, the, the whole body image thing kind of upsets me a little bit. I think that mm. there's value to uh, like respecting your body now. And if that's what you want to be, then that's what you want to be. But there's, I think where we lose sight is like, Oh, this is now healthy. This is okay. It's like, no, well, no, no, like, let's look at science real quick. This is not healthy. <laughs> this is not okay. We know that it's not. And there's also so many good things for the brain. Like it, the, the, the connections and the things that you learn and the, the philosophy and sitting and, fucking sucking wind in the middle of a, a set or after a set or after a hard squat or passing out in the middle of a front squat. Like that shit fucking like humbles you, man. But it also like, Oh shit, I can get back up and I can do it again. Like, all right, man, I'm going to get back here and come tomorrow. It's not going to stop me. Like that grit is just the, the coolest thing that I wish everybody could do. Or For sure.
2: Some of the oldest videos I have saved are from sets where, uh, I was warming up to a working set and I passed out on the way up and I still had to keep going. That's crazy. Like just watching that is like, oh my God, I'm a
0: badass.
2: (laughs) It happened to me, oh man, I was doing sets with Clean and Jerk. I had to do like uh, uh, two doubles at 140 kilos and then two doubles at 150. On the way up, I do my first single, or it was singles, but two of each. Did a single at 140 and I passed out before the Jerk just started blacking out. It's like, well this is 140, I have to do 2 at 150. But make I call. But yeah, I mean you just got to get back on the bar and do it. And I did it. It's like that can't stop me. Like learning what learning your limits. People don't don't like to get pushed to the limits a lot.
1: I think learning that that there almost really is no limit is the coolest thing.
2: Well, you can find it, and then you can find a way through it,
1: right? That that 140 yeah. at that time was that limit for your body. That day, it was tough. And then <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> Adding those extra five, for those, those whites on, just, oh, mm-hmm. shit. Here we go again.
2: But you got to nut up or shut up.
1: And, you nut, and, and I guess you nut it up. Is that the only, like, do, do you walk away from the bar fairly often, or do you, like, do you effort or effortfully not like do you consciously like no motherfucker like we're gonna step back up and we're gonna get this shit done
2: oh for sure like i i mean i think part of it goes into like um when i was saying earlier like i feel like i've invested so much into this you know i've I've really centered a lot of what i do around my training so for me to quit on a set or a workout just because i'm not feeling good like that's unacceptable at this point you know if
1: i'm If I'm really trying to be in this, I got to get it done. Got to, got to, got to. How do you balance that with like still staying, not not going back and having all the injuries again? Like how how do you still, how do you continue to push, but then understand that I'm going to, like, what is that balance of I can still do this and be safe?
2: So I think part of that just goes into how long I've been training.
1: Like I'm very familiar
2: with how my body feels and especially with the prior injuries, like I know the precursors, like the feelings that come before, okay, this is about to get really bad. Um, so I know my limits and I know like, okay, this is what I should be capable of. And, you know, generally speaking, like if there's a day where I pass out on a clean and jerk or a front squat. It's because I'm not doing something else correctly. So I, I need to assign tension, you know, my core or my back or engage my hips a little better, whatever it may be. I think that just comes from training and you know being in it so long. I just am more familiar with where I'm at. Fair. I got to take a leap. I'll be
1: right back.
0: I just, I fuck it, I, I'm
1: trying, I, I don't, there's another room I'll show you here in a little bit that I want to make into the, the podcast studio, but, um, so far we're just, we're, we're dealing with this and I just, I don't, it's not my favorite, but I do like, I like the fireplace, I like the vibe, I like the, no, toilet, this is cool, but it's just fucking hot as shit in here. And so I can add a window unit in here. I was going to pull that one over here, but then I have another smaller room that's a little more, a little more intimate. So it's really, really close. Um. And it kind of feels like it's already, like, built for a podcast. And I just got to pull the stuff in there. Um, but I'll show you here in a little bit. Um, a cool thanks, man. I just got to, just got to keep it cool. <laughs> I also want to get you here. I, I got to learn how to do the, the, the headphone stuff and how to make sure that we can hear each other. Because we can hear ourselves, which is important. It's an important feature. But I need to learn how to have it actually send back to each other. Yeah. Because otherwise, the idea is, like, I can put this in and then everything just shuts off and, like, it's just you and I, right? Um, but then, if, if that doesn't work so well, then this really isn't that bad. I gotta be honest. Yeah. yeah. What, what's not that bad? Is the the
2: like just having one or
1: own. Yeah. Right. I know. So I wanted to ask you about um, alcohol. Do you drink?
2: I used to. I don't drink so much now. Pretty much at all. If I can
1: help it, I won't. Damn, that's hard.
2: Uh, Not really. I think uh, there was a time during my depression where I I kind of tried to use alcohol to make me feel better. And I just realized that it wasn't going to work. So if it doesn't have a purpose for me, most things in my life, if they don't have a purpose for me, I try to cut them out. You know, if they're not going to serve me, why would I serve them? Um, but alcohol, especially now that I'm like really focused on this whole athletic pursuit, like it makes me feel so shitty. You know, I I struggle to drink enough water as it is, and you know, drinking alcohol is like negative water. So look at it. That's a really good. <laughs> if way I'm putting myself it. at a deficit, mm, no thanks. That's you. a
1: really good way to look at it. I never thought. And
2: also, it. just don't really enjoy being drunk that much. I do occasionally. I'll have like a I like old fashions, stuff that tastes. Um, kind of different or that tastes good. I'll have it, but for the purposes of like getting drunk or
1: stuff like that, I'm not really into it. I think it's an important thing to have as, a, as an athlete to not drink so much. I wonder how, like, how many of the athletes that compete at that high level, how many of them are really actually drinking any of them at all? Cause I would assume, probably I mean, not-
2: I bet some of them
1: are, but
2: I mean, they probably just have it like down to a science where they know like, okay, I can have this much. Sorry, I'm going to put him up real quick and put him in the other room. Big old boy. This episode brought to you by Ben Navarez. Check him out. He's a great guy.
0: Nothing.
1: <laughs> I'll go back and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We were talking about something. I forget. Alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. yeah I feel like I struggle with it a lot. But really? you know, it's just, it's, cause it's, you have like good drinks, like you have a good old fashioned or something, then it's like, yeah, oh, this is nice, right? But then mm-hmm. just making it part of your daily, daily existence is not, it's not the good thing. Mm. So, I mean, are you, are you pretty, I mean, I'm going to go off by myself and I'm trying to make sure that I don't, Bree told me I talk too much about myself. She was like, you got to talk more about other people. You got to ask them more questions. And I was like,
2: it's got to be a back and forth. I don't want to just be up here the whole time talking. That's
1: fair. You know, that's kind of my mentality. I was like, you know, it, it's a conversation. It, it's just talking. We're just chatting, like figuring it out, you know? Um, but she was like, you got to, you just like, don't talk so much. And I was
0: like, all right, sounds
1: good. I won't talk so much. If you need me to, I can open that with my, my ring. Oh, yeah. The old ag
2: special. He's opening it with his ring, y'all.
1: him. Do you have any desire to go to college? Go back. To go back, right now,
2: not really. Um, I think moving forward, I would like to be a coach for weightlifting um, and maybe even do personal training. Um, and neither of those really require a college degree, it certainly helps. But I don't think it's 100% necessary. So unless I reached a point in those ventures where I was like, okay, like, got to have this, right? Then I would go back. But um, for right now, I don't have any plans to, you know, been out of the game for a long time. And I don't think I'm bad at learning, but certainly the idea of um, this was an issue even when I first went to college. The idea that you're going to take courses that are completely unrelated to what you actually want to learn uh, it rubs me the wrong way especially so, when you're paying thousands of dollars for about one to two years of education that
1: I think I, I it is they call it weed out you know but I feel like why are, like why are we like, why are we trying to weed people out they've they've from being smarter yeah right they they <laughs> they've, they've tried to make their life better and we're going to make sure that they try to like we we make it so hard that they can't. There's some professors that are. Not yeah, sorry,
2: you're not smart enough to be smarter.
1: Yeah, right. Like that's pretty. That's pretty intense. I mean, it's I like mean, about being smart, I feel like some of it, like I got kicked out my first semester. A&M. I don't think it was because I wasn't smart. It was just because I was not interested in going to Bio 101 because Bio 101 is boring as fuck. Like it's just it's not interesting. So then why am I gonna spend time doing the thing? And I think that there's, but at the same, like I liken it back to weightlifting stuff, it's like, well, there. I don't really like stretching. But it makes me better. Right? Yeah. And so That's maybe true. there is this idea that it is for the for the for for my betterment in the future. It's just in the immediates. I'm like, fuck doing mobility. I want to go home and I'm going to go sleep after this workout. I'm going to go eat. I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. But in reality, I should take the extra 15, 20, 30 minutes to do my stretches or to do my homework, right? Uh, it's just, it's hard in the moment to, to think about it. And I think it also sucks because it's so fucking expensive.
2: I think the biggest difference is just that, like, when do you see the benefit of taking those courses later down the line? You know, with stretching and mobility, like, you will start to see the difference. Like, oh, my bottom position doesn't feel like dog shit anymore. Or my upper position, like, this is so much smoother, tighter, you know, whatever. But I don't know. I haven't spoken to someone who's like, "Yeah, man, I use my my calculus all the time."
1: No one ever uses their calculus all the time, ever. And but to be fair, though you don't use it in your daily life, you the way again another fucking TikTok thing. I'm on TikTok a lot, <laughs> by the way. I fucking I watch way too much fucking TikTok. You
2: be doing them dances, don't I you be doing them dances. Doing them
1: dances, man, all the time. You see my TikTok, man. It's, oh, it gets God. wild up in there. I'm doing all the hand stuff, and <laughs> I, I there was a guy who said you might not, uh, you're never going to use calculus, but ca- calculus and doing the problem solving teaches you how to problem solve in your daily life, and so yeah, you're not, you're it teaches you how to solve puzzles, and it's just it the way that we see it is math or it's calculus, but the entire idea is learning how to find patterns and then work yourself through that pattern. And so, and that you use in your daily life for sure. I mean on, on a daily basis. And so I think that there's the, the, again, it's like, it might not, it looks like it's a waste of time. And, but in reality you are gearing your, you're you're engineering your brain to, to perform a certain way it's just again in the media, in the immediate it sucks and it seems pointless and i think my i think i guess my biggest heartbeat is just that it's so fucking expensive it should be more i was going to say I yeah
2: at that point the question is how much do i
1: value problem solving
2: or learning how to problem solve and i think you know 10,000 plus
1: dollars a year probably a little steep it's expensive man like and i just I'm, and i don't know what the fix is i think school's just become such a business it's it's unfortunate and but i think that there's 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 value to it it's just it's i don't think that the value is $10,000 a semester or you know, if you go right. to a graduate program i saw some that i'm trying to apply to grad school it's like $90,000 a year it's 90k a year i had a friend who the other day said he was $500,000 in debt it's like cuz it, it's just fucking school and then versus my uncle who went to he went to undergrad and i think he, Austin or Houston, um, Mm -hmm. one of those two schools. And then he got his law degree at the other. So he either did his undergrad at Houston and then went to, I think he went to law school uh, at, at UT. And he said he paid $45 a semester. So he worked a part-time job as a bar back cleaning dishes and was able to pay his rent, his books and his tuition working part-time. There is no way that that's going to exist today. There's no way. And that, I think, is what's the most upsetting. We should make education more accessible.
2: Well, oh man, we could get into how the world is definitely not structured for people who aren't already like set up for success. Because I think that that's a reality. I mean, yeah, like like that example alone just proves, I mean, how much not not just like getting a degree, but the world is just geared toward people who already have stuff getting more stuff.
1: And then for what? The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. For what? I don't know.
2: I think Drake said it best, when I die, I put my money in the grave. That's where it goes, dude. You don't know what your kids are going to do with that money. They could piss it all away but you're gonna make more yeah they for a 0.5 percent increase you're gonna charge everyone a couple thousand dollars more and they'll pay it
1: because they have to like you're not giving them a choice and it's I talked with a friend the other day it's like it stays in this little circle of everybody having all this like success right they, they've made it so that like food stamps you can go and food stamps will buy everything in the store right you, I didn't and I didn't know this but you can buy Cheetos right with your food stamps why? They should, right? Like, you can only stay on the outside. Like, if purchases, like, you can get, like, um, whole foods. You can get, like, and, and that, that term's a, a tough term. But you can get uh, produce. You can get um, pu- poultry, meats, right? All, all those good things that are actually real food and, and, and is healthy versus allowing people to consume for free uh, a, a, a bag of Cheetos but the people who have allowed that to happen are the people who are in the government that are being lobbied by the people who own the Cheeto Cheetos. companies. Yeah. So then it's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to let you buy whatever you want because these guys are getting the free money. Yeah. And it's just like, like step out of the matrix a little bit and like, look at what's going on. Like they're not there to help you. I mean, yeah, so really. to a degree, but it's at the same time. It's just, it, there's not very much guidance. It's like, you have to learn how to do investing on your own. You have to learn how to like what real estate is. You have to learn like all these very difficult things and if your family doesn't already have it, it makes it so fucking difficult to learn. And even then, if your family does have it, a lot of times they're working. They're they're like they're trying to maintain it. It's like how like how am I supposed to learn from my mom who's working three jobs right now to, to how to open up a Roth IRA? Exactly. Mom doesn't have enough time to fucking rob, open up a Roth IRA and then to to do that whole thing. She's gonna sit down with me and explain to me what this means to a sixteen year old kid who doesn't give a fuck about saving money because all he cares about is the immediate gratification and eating Cheetos. Yeah, and eating Cheetos like like it, it's just such a flawed system. It's yeah. really sad.
2: But I think that's why, thankfully, in today's day and age, like we have access to so much information for free. That if you do want to learn things, like you don't have to really pay a whole lot. Like, honestly, I could learn anatomy and physiology by myself online
1: for much less than it costs to get a degree. You, um, could, you could read books and and you can get right. some good resources. You can go to the. I have job. access to that now. Yeah.
2: Whereas before, it's kind of gate kept inside the university, but digital age pretty much is no excuse to like not know anything aside from not finding time
1: to do it which is good i think i, it's positive. I think it's a, it's a major positive it's a huge positive it's just like i think not not everybody has the ability to sit down and read the book and understand it which is unfortunate and they might they may need that extra help uh, but then you have so many things on youtube you have so many things so many different resources out there that are free entirely free if i go to you, i think like, when I first started doing the podcasting, it's like what like what do I buy? And <laughs> I did a YouTube search and there's people who are out there putting out free content for you to just absorb. And it's your opportunity to, to, to or it's your um, your responsibility to, to either like invest real time and Google and in YouTube these things or you can YouTube um, cats playing with yarn. Cause that's fun too. I mean, that's, that's exciting, but it's like, is it going to push you towards that, that bigger goal? Uh, whatever that goal may be. And I think not, not always, unfortunately. So, oh man, I had something else I wanted to say. I wanted to ask you, do you think that even though we have all these access, this access to all these resources that having that degree still means a lot?
2: Um, it seems to mean a lot to, um, higher-end jobs. There's definitely job opportunities that you cannot have without a degree, even if it's not a specific degree. For whatever reason, there are certain jobs that just want someone with a degree behind the desk or in that position. Um, So there's definitely an opportunity kind of wall, paywall there. But I don't know. I think if you, if you have something that you want to do that I mean, there's so many things that you can do that don't require a degree and will make you just as much money. And people advocate for trade schools all the time. But like, you know, those jobs aren't like very fulfilling sometimes. But I mean, if your goal is, you know, living or being homeless, I would certainly choose trade school um to pay my bills, you know.
1: I mean, I think it comes back to that. Yeah, it might not be the most gratifying in the moment, but if it gives you the life that you're wanting to live, like if I went to become a welder, I might be gone a lot. Um, it, d- it depends on the, the type of the niche that I get into, right? I'm going to use an electrician, for example. If I am an electrician and have a... I I get an apprenticeship and I work for someone for two years and then they teach me the ropes and I learn and I'm diligent about actually wanting to learn and and delve into it and then I can step out of that, learn how to create a business on on YouTube, learn how to set up an LLC and then be able to use everything that I've learned in this two-year school to create my own business and then diligently work towards growing something. Then I could have a multi-million dollar electrical company just on the fact that you know I, I went to a two-year school like, I think trade schools are severely underrated I think that if, if, if it provides you the life that you're looking for it might not be the most glorious job oh I'm an electrician or oh shit, I, I own the electrician company. It's, it's like I think a lot of us want to get there like, we want we, we always want to be there we want to be on the stage we want to be um, top 10 in the nation and it's just if we're not there then it's like oh what a drag but in reality nobody's ever there. Everybody always has to go through this hump of shitty, and then you finally get there, and then you're there, you're like, oh shit, I'm, I did it, am I, is this real, like that imposter syndrome, and I think there's definitely times in, our, in all of our lives that I think we, we, we can share that kind of idea. You
2: mentioned imposter, you mentioned imposter syndrome, do you, do you ever deal with that? Oh, for that? sure. Because that's, that's, that's a big one for
1: me. It's weird. Um, it's, I'm
2: going to turn the tables on you, I'm
1: asking. Yeah, I know, right, you're the first person <laughs> to ask me a question. Um, so it's, yes, um, there's times where I look around and I'm like, like, I, 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 I think getting the master's degree and then going through it, I've always, I never really thought I was a very smart guy and I got kicked out my first semester of, of undergrad and I realized that it was not because of, of not doing, like I, c- I couldn't grasp the schoolwork. It was just, I was drinking and I was. Um, in the in I was I was doing research in a lab, and then I was um working on power. i got onto the powerlifting team. It was my first time in Team USA. It was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Fuck school. And then real, and then I got kicked out. And then now when I went through this, the graduate program, went all the way through, and I was like, wow, this is really easy. And people were like, no, this is a, a really hard thing. I was like, oh, okay, like, oops. And and at that moment, I realized, uh, like, I, I even then, <coughs> it was still hard for me to internally except uh, maybe i'm maybe i'm maybe i'm kind of smart maybe maybe i kind of like know this field and i think part of it is just the fact that i was so obsessed with powerlifting that i went I, when i was in i mean i had been working out since i was like 5 or 6 years old and then i with my dad and then i finally started getting into probably like sixth, seventh grade and got very interested in, in like reading about the gym and learning about like and learning like all the nitty gritty of exercise physiology at a very young age, and and then it was like this information doesn't matter like why are you getting bees on your shit it's like cause I'm reading all this other stuff that's way more interesting than this shit and then high school and learn more about training programs and things and so the stuff that we were supposed to be learning in in undergrad were things that I learned way before and then same thing in the master's program. I was like, and there's nuggets in there that I learned about like velocity training, like how do I look at an athlete and look at their graph and understand? Oh, there's a deficiency in um, the extension here, and so that means that this angle's off here, and how do we fix that? Right? I can look at a graph and say, oh, that's why this is happening. I didn't. I didn't have. I was never exposed to that information before. Um, but in the middle of it, I was just like, I don't know. This is, this is weird and I don't know if I'm really like supposed to be here and like that's meant for that's meant for those people. that's meant for smart people and I could never really accept the fact that I was in that group. Um, I still can't really at times. I'm, a, I'm applying to a, a graduate program I'm applying to Harvard and the only reason I'm, the reason I'm doing that is a couple different reasons but one of them being I've always thought that that was for them. Like, that, that was for mm. the white kid. That was for the, the kid who was well off, that could afford it, that like, that, like, that was so fucking smart, the best of the best, the creme of the creme. That's not me. I I I, I was going to go to a Houston school, like, because it, it was just, like, that's all that's all it was. I got accepted to AM and was like, well, I guess I'll go with my friends. Like, that's the only reason I went, but just realizing, oh, shit, like, I am the creme of the creme. I, I am worthy of investing in myself. I am worthy of that thing. I'm going to apply. Let them tell me no. You know, like, just we're, we're going to shoot for the best. And if I don't get in, I don't get in. I'll buy somewhere else. Um, but I don't lose. I'm paying $90,000 to fucking you to go to this school. <laughs> I don't lose. i even saving money not, you know. And it's just so for sure. I mean, I, for sure. There's definitely a lot of imposter syndrome at times. You?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I want to get into the, you know, being a weightlifting coach and, you know, even being a personal trainer. <clears throat> And I think um, determining my value, uh, like, to another person, I think that's very difficult for me, right? Because uh, as a teammate, um, as an athlete on a team, like, you're helping someone out for free. But now as a coach or a trainer, I can get paid to do it. But it's kind of just such second nature and I'm just – I just have a difficult time accepting, like, you're going to pay me to do this. Like, I'm not really doing anything in my mind,
1: right? But um, you bring a level of expertise that not everybody has, and it, it is extremely valuable. And it's mm-hmm. just the first time I started tra- charging for personal training, or like, like I was working at Gold's, and so they charged for personal training, but I, by proxy, I was right. It's like, mm-hmm. I have to sell myself for $70 an hour or $50 an hour? Like, that sounds insane. Like, people are going to spend that? Like, oh, people are going to spend that so long as you think that, like, you're worth that. And people are going to notice it. And I was like, I don't know, I feel wrong for this because the same thing. I was, like, on the teams and just training people and I have this knowledge and I'm like, let me help you. Like, oh, you're hurting? Let me help you. I, I know how to do some prehab rehab stuff. I work in a physical therapy clinic. Let me help you a little bit. Mm. And then realizing, oh, shit, like, this is actually, this is a value. This is a service. Like, I, I can help people. Um, and that's it's it's okay to get paid for what you're good at yeah yeah it's hard to realize
2: I'm yeah i'm still i'm still working on it
1: i think i i'm going
0: to cut this part out Mm. Yeah.
1: I think young coaches really struggle with, I think young coaches really struggle with understanding like that they can charge, that they should charge. And I think that it's the clients as well. Sometimes they don't make it feel the most comfortable, like saying I'm worth $70 an hour, like pay me 70. And like, you want the business, but at the same time, it's like, I I want the business and I don't want it to be too expensive. I want it to be affordable for this person, but at the same time, $70 an hour for changing somebody's life for the way that they keep their body healthy for not you're not teaching somebody something that's going to last them a couple days. You're teaching something that that they're going to that, that creates the the, uh, the effect of I can do anything. That empowering moment that you realize, "Oh shit, if I step up to the bar and I accomplish this task, then I can do that in anything in life." That value, that's not worth 70 an hour. I'm sorry. That's that's invaluable. So mm-hmm. $70 an hour is the least that you can fucking do. Like, like I'm, I'm like...
2: Yeah, when you put it like that, that makes a lot more sense.
1: I could just... And it's just so... Like, it's it's worth it. It's more than worth it. $70 an hour is cheap. $100 an hour is cheap. Like, that's... You have therapists that like speech therapists or um, uh uh, counselors and stuff that are charging hundreds of dollars, $250 an hour. But you walk out of 10 sessions and you're like, you're a different person. You, you have a different perspective on life. You're happier. You can approach things better. You can, that proprioception, like you, you teach somebody, I need you to just move your body just a little bit like this. And you like, you just tap their back. You push on their butt. Like these little physical cues that they then create a mental connection to that tissue that they'll always have forever. That's in fucking insane, you know. And I think it's just getting used to it. being comfortable, still offering like saying it, like yeah, this is what it's worth. I I, I don't think, I don't think Philip questions a hundred dollars an hour. Right. He's worth a right. hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And do have you had sessions with Philip? I have done two of them. Is it worth it? It's pretty fucking worth it. <laughs> it's insane. It's this. You're the same. You're the same as him in your field, right? And and maybe this is my perception, but this is the way I think about it. It's like he has his niche in rehab, prehab stuff. You have your niche in weightlifting stuff. It's no different. And, and I, think, I think we're all, I think we're all more similar than we are different. Um, just because he's charging what he's charging doesn't mean that you can't charge that. Huh? You know, everybody, everybody <laughs> has their niche. Yeah. Now go charge. Now go charge more. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good charge, right?
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's
1: um it's a progression. It's 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 so hard to learn. And I think that'd be a, a cool thing to help teach young coaches. It's like that you get out of the industry or you get out of school or even then, let's say you didn't even go to school, and then you're like, How do like I get paid to do this? Like this doesn't make real sense. It's like, well, like let's look at it in this different perspective. Ah, okay, got it.
2: Yeah, breaking down like everything you're offering that makes a
1: lot more sense in the application. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. Of course. Hopefully, it helps. You (laughs) know, I, I, I think that. I think it is a. I think sales is communication, and and communicating effectively is is the ultimate goal. If you, if I can communicate what I am doing, what I'm offering, what I'm providing effectively to somebody else, then they are more likely to understand what's happening and then and then at that point it's their decision to say yeah that seems worth it to me or either i can't afford it and i'm sorry that's that's okay or i i it's not valuable enough for me okay mm-hmm. okay like there's somebody else who's gonna that you're like i always say if you're gonna buy it buy it once right so um the, these mics were 70 dollars more expensive than the ones down from this one i was like and i tested them fuck it I just spend the extra $70 so I don't go home and I'm looking like, ah, I just wish I would have spent the extra $70. Exactly. And then i going to have to go back and spend an extra $100 now or $100. I'm with you on I mean, that. Like, it's going to, it's going to cost me more than double. Might as well just pay for it once. I think that same mentality can be approached with the clients. Sure. Yeah. Go to the, go to the less expensive individual. I can guarantee you they don't know enough of me. Like they don't know as much as me. I'll make you better faster. So how much is it worth to you? And you have those committed athletes that are like, it's worth, it's worth it. Fuck it, let's do it. And then you have others that are just, they're not, they're not that committed, and that's not for you to own. It's for them. But right. I think sales get get gets a really really bad rap. I think um, we always think of like the car salesman guy who's just the sleazy, manipulative kind of like working deals that aren't really real. And I think that we get to define ourselves as the salesman because ultimately you're selling yourself to each individual that you're approaching, right? Uh, if you want to get into the industry then, and you're selling your, your time, it's, it's, it's a sell, but that, that sell doesn't have to be manipulative. You get to define what kind of salesman you are. Are you an honest salesman? Are you going to be just real? You're going to be the best at your pro. You're going to be the best at your job and that is the sell. Let it sell, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's cool, man.
1: I think I think sales is cool. I think sales can be cool. I think I even get I think it gets better rap, unfortunately. And it's always uncomfortable talking about money. Nobody ever wants to talk about money. Like it's uncomfortable. But it's just don't be uncomfortable about it, you know? Like it's like don't make it awkward, you know? Like there is somebody I I watched a podcast the other day like, Is it awkward? It's like, Well now it is. You fucking made it awkward. Stop <laughs> like why'd you do that? Like <laughs> Yeah, you pointed it <laughs> you know, out. You you, you you put it into the existence. Stop making it awkward. Damn. You know? Once
2: it's out there, it's out.
1: Yeah. yeah, man. Well, anything else that you would like to talk about? Any key points? Anything that you would like to push or promote or do anything?
0: Um,
2: are you religious? Good question.
1: Um, I am... I am spiritual. I believe in... in religion i think that um uh, i think religious teachings can be useful i think that people can like find like use it as a rule book to guide their life and that make their life better i think that humans have it wrong and i think it's been manipulated by man to get one up on the people who are going to be submissive to that religion and that's what makes me frustrated or sad about it. I think that it can really be in a good spot, just just like education. Like, we can do something that's really, really good. But unfortunately, somebody wanted to make some money off of it. Somebody wanted to manipulate a group of people. And so, well, I, I follow Jesus. Oh, well, I follow Buddha. And then they put them against each other. It's like, why? I don't know if I'm right. You don't know if you're right. <clears throat> we can hope and believe that we're right but I think that we're all following the same God. I think we're all following this, this group. We all have an understanding that there is a greater power. Well, not everybody, right? There's the people who are atheists, right? But if, if you're just, I don't know, somebody who thinks a little bit, I think that we all are like, we can understand that there is something else out there. There, there's a higher power. There's a greater being. There's whatever it may be. And I think we've attributed these names to them that are man-made, that aren't real. It's just God. Whatever mm. that may be, it's just God. So I believe in God. I just don't know what, who God is or what God's doing or why God exists. Mm. But I think I've – and I, th- I kind of believe in the concept of heaven and hell, but I think heaven and hell is created here on earth. You create your heaven. You create your hell. If, if I think that's the the ultimate opportunity that he's given us, like he or she or it. Um, we've been given the opportunity to create – Whatever we want on this earth, if I'm going to look for bad shit, I'm going to constantly be involved with bad shit, then I'm going to be in a living hell. That is torture. That is hell. I can also just be surrounded by really good people who are loving and caring, who are going to be that hype guy, that hype girl in the gym that are pushing each other to be better. And you create this community of really good people that are creating your heaven, you know, like, but it's, it's here. You know, that's what I
2: think. That's interesting. Interesting take.
1: What what is your take on religion?
2: Well, I'm a I'm a Christian. Um, Like I said, I I go to AM Church of Christ, and I think a lot of what you said that's very true. Um, Definitely attribute a lot of the negative attention of churches or you know even other religions to. It's usually not the fault of whatever they're being taught. It's just them taking advantage of, of a position of power. Um, and I don't know. I think I'd be remiss with just out without mentioning that. Uh, I don't know. I think Jesus is the he's the right one for me. Good. He's the right one for me.
1: I, th- I yeah. think that. I think you're right. I mean, I think if, if you think he's the right one, he's the right one for you. Like, yeah, we, I know you said earlier, like you had, you were in church a little bit and you kind of like deviated when your mom started working more and then kind of re-entered um, later. And remind me, when did you start coming back to church?
2: Uh So it was a little bit after that car accident. Uh, there was a buddy of mine, his name's Spencer. He, Invited me to like a, a youth retreat they're having this summer and I got to meet a bunch of people and everyone was so cool and, um, inviting and also just what I was learning. It just all sounded like stuff I'd been hearing throughout my life. Um, just like being that kind to other people, treating them the way you want to be treated, stuff like that. And, and getting to see it lived out through those people. Um, I don't know, just kind of all reinforced this idea that like, okay, maybe there's something here or something to it. And, and the more I've looked into it. And, you know, obviously throughout the years, it just has always proven itself to be true in my life.
1: Do Do you, Christianity and Catholicism are different, right? So
2: you're Uh, no. Well, Catholicism is a sect of Christianity.
1: So then are you, are you non-denom or like,
2: uh, Church of Christ is its own thing. Okay. Okay. Um, it's one of the denominations. How does that look
1: um, different than a non-denomination? What, what are the specifics that are involved in a Church of Christ?
2: I mean, I couldn't tell you the specific like doctrinal differences. Okay. I know that uh, most Church of Christ don't use instruments for worship. That's like usually a pretty common theme. Um, Why?
1: What's the what's what's the rationale? Do you know?
2: It's old doctrine that I personally don't think matters um, but the main thing that they will generally do is all the teachings or sermons whatever have to be based on a scripture so you can't just show up with an anecdote and talk about the anecdote for the whole sermon and call that
1: the word of God. It has to be based on like a chapter or a...
2: Or just any any piece of scripture. Okay. Um, it always begins with the word from the Bible and then Try to apply it to our, our lives.
1: Do you, do you guys have a priest or a deacon or a, like a head? Uh, we have a preacher, a preacher.
2: And then we have a group of elders who are appointed. Um, I forget what the selection process is, but basically the elders just
1: help run the church
2: and they manage all the money and um, the preacher is
1: just, he's paid by the church. And is it your goal to be like how, how involved do you want to be in the church of christ like are you good just being a, a member a participant or would you like to like grow and in, in, into the thing
2: well it's interesting so actually the other day i got really frustrated at myself because um i realized that i hadn't been making time to have very meaningful conversations with people um you know just like As long as i've been going to that church um i've always just been able to be around people who want to talk about my life and help encourage me spiritually and just like we it's a mutual thing we lift each other up we support each other like hey man i know you're struggling with this but like here's how you can work through it like let's talk about you know if you're struggling with something let's look at how we should approach this biblically or you know whatever and i just hadn't been making time for that so i think I would love to be more involved and part of that is just scheduling out more time for it. Never enough time in the day, but I need to start making time for that kind of
1: thing. And so how does that, how does that look? Are you like involved in, I assume there's like youth ministry kind of stuff and like, would that be your goal? Um, or? I
2: don't know. That would be interesting to do youth ministry. I don't think I'm really suited for a leadership role.
1: Why? Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit. bit.
2: Okay. Okay. Let's talk about it. Why not? Uh, I'm very much a reactive person. I have a reactive personality and I tend to be more introverted, I think. Um, So the proactivity that's required for like, or at least that I would want, I guess, from a leader, I just don't see that in myself. So I wouldn't have very much confidence taking on
1: a role like that. There's different styles uh, of leadership there are you know yeah.
2: Yeah. yes I mean, I'm aware I don't know if I have the desire to try and fulfill that right now in my life um, but I mean my my youth minister Monty he got a degree in math and was gonna be a math teacher and now he's a youth minister at church so it kind of just happens like that yeah. if you're called you're called and if not, that's okay too.
1: Do you think that kind of lackadaisical approach gives it justice or gives you justice? Like if, if you were to approach when like get back to the gym because I fucking I love the gym. Um, <laughs> if, if you were just like, yeah, if I get good at the sport, I get good at the sport. If I don't, then I don't. Would that do you or the sport any justice?
2: So I think I think I only enjoy weight I only enjoyed weightlifting at first because I saw that I had potential to be good in it but also I enjoyed it. And I think people who are good leaders in the church and who stick around are called to those positions or they they see the opening and they take it and then God kind of makes up the rest. Um, a lot of the time in the Bible, that's how it happens as well. Like, he just takes these people who are random ordinary people and he just asks, you know, are you willing to be a part of this? And they say yes, and the next thing you know, that's what happened to Abraham. He was just a guy from a random place, and God was like, hey man, you're going to be the guy. And he's like, I'm going to be the guy? Yeah, all you got to do is just make this covenant with me and all this other stuff. And then Thousands of years later, he's the guy. But there wasn't really anything special about him, which I think is what makes Christianity kind of interesting.
1: The fact that you can be a a layman and still be someone with an impact. If you're willing. And so why aren't you willing?
2: I just don't, I don't see that. I'm not called to do that right now. I'm open to the possibility. I mean, I would love to um, be someone's Monty to help guide them through the spiritual um, life. But just right now, at this stage of my life, especially being tied up with weightlifting and you know pursuing my own goals, it's just not there. I am always looking for ways to like incorporate my faith into weightlifting was kind of difficult. How so? so? There's not really a big intersection between, I guess, discussing spirituality and lifting weights. Not very often anyway. It doesn't just happen.
1: You got to make it happen. Right. You got to put it together. Right. You got to be that guy. If that's that's the guy that you want to be, then you have to create that, that, uh, persona or you have to be that persona right you, you can if you if you see the idea of and you want that to exist then all it takes is just stepping up and being that guy that bystander effect like you know it's kind of interesting we can be our own by. we can have our own bystander effects in our own life yes true that's crazy cool yeah we can see it and hope that someone's going to set us up into that position it's, it's going to get there but it takes action It takes it took that person calling 911 to make sure that you guys are okay. It takes someone. It takes something. It takes action.
2: Maybe I gotta be that person.
1: If you wanna be that person. If I mean if if you see that like if you would want to be Monty's if you wanna be someone else's Monty, then you have every every responsibility, every every right to be. You have every you have all the tools, all the things are already in there. It's just realizing they're in there and then doing the thing. Right? Just to, and then at the same time, I don't think anybody's ever necessarily ready on the immediate first try, just like your first snatch. Right. Versus now. Now people look at your snatch. We sit there and we're watching you. And they're like, God damn, this fucking guy. <laughs> Look at that fucking beautiful snatch and like you're all over here rah, 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 and like, dude, <laughs> it looks so fucking good. And like but your standard is so high and it needs to be that high. Like it needs to be if you want to get good, right? Your standard for Monty is probably up there and Monty's a 10 and you think of yourself as a as a 3 or a 4, whatever it may be, right? But it just – Monty didn't start off as a 10. Yeah. Mont started off as a fucking three and stepped up and helped a couple of people and then ended up being this person, you know, that you can look to and being that coach or being that, being that friend, you know, like I think being that friend, I think is, a, is, I think it's big value. Like having that meaningful conversation with somebody you said earlier, it's like just actively taking, being an active participant in the conversation and how, how valuable that is. Yeah,
2: definitely. I, I had undervalued the importance of that in my life, but it's definitely going to, I'm going to try to make
1: it more of a priority now to do that. And,
2: and maybe that will lead into more opportunities.
1: Maybe. I think, it, yeah. I think the, the only, only good things can happen. There's yeah. only up, you know, Agreed. you can't go wrong cheering people on. You can't go wrong for helping people get through their shit. I think like you're going to learn something about you. You're going to learn something about them. Mike on the last podcast, uh, he said it's always the right time to say something. It's always the right time because either you're going to learn something, you're going to learn something about that relationship, you're going to learn something about you, you're going to learn you're going to learn something. It's always the right time to say something, and I've always been like, oh my god! Like ever <laughs> since then, it's like I got to go tell. So like, like this lady was holding uh, a wine glass yesterday um, from the from the top, and so you're supposed to hold it from the stem, otherwise it changes the temperature of the wine, and so. I was like, I'm sorry, but I just I, – I need you to just move your <laughs> hand down just a little bit. And she's like, yeah, I know. It's, I know it's not the right way to hold it, but it's a really large glass so I'm holding it from here. I was like, okay, just as long as you know. like, Because like if she didn't, then he gives her the opportunity to now learn something new. So whenever she goes to an event, if she's like a business lady and people care about that kind of shit and they're particular about that kind of crap, then they see her. Oh, she's she's educated. She's cultured. She knows what she's doing just from a little thing that you offered somebody that can have massive value.
2: Yeah. I, I posted, there was something I saw on Instagram the other day. That was uh, this guy. He, when he was in high school, he would always stop in between classes and uh, he would just say hello and maybe chat with this one kid that he saw all the time. And then uh, when they graduated, he got a letter from that kid saying that like him saying hello and just that little bit of chit chat helped him get through like one of the worst times in his life, he was like depressed and like just all kinds of things going on at home. But just a simple hello. You you may never know the impact of of just being nice and giving someone the benefit of the doubt to be like, you know what? I can be nice right here. It can mean the world to somebody. And it's crazy.
1: Be more kind. Be, I think. There was a. I was listening to a book the other day, and there's this philosopher guy who's like going through his entire life and trying to figure out what is the meaning of all of this. Like, what what's the entire point of all this, right? And he gets to year like he's, he's in his eighties, he's like on his way out, and he's like, I know it might be kind of sad or just un like like uneventful, like it's like so small of a of a of a thing, but it's like I think the meaning of life is to be more kind, and. I was like, man, you know, like it, it just resonates right now. And just thinking about it, I was like, man, I think we could, we can be more kind. Of, I don't know if like in your time in eighth grade having, you know, either kids that were your friends or the, I think we all have not the best friendships in eighth <laughs> grade, like relationships, you have the bullies, you have the people who are just like, just, I like that word. Um, you're, Ooh, you're not supposed them. to use that word. So we're going to <laughs> we're gonna take that word out. But we're going to bleep it. I want to do my first bleep. It's going to be my first bleep. gonna <laughs> see how it goes. Um, All right. But you have those kids who are just who are just mean for whatever reason, right? Something's going on in their life. Um, did you have those experiences and, and those people that you – can you look back on the people that were kind? Did they Did they leave an impact or have an impact?
2: For sure. I mean – well, one of the nicest things that happened to me um, was I started getting more involved in the youth group and I was showing up. Um, and I don't think I was very outgoing by any means. I was just there. Um, and, and people listened to my story and they heard about it. And uh, one day I just received like a, a letter in the mail and it was from the church. And a bunch of people had just put together money that they set aside for me and my mom. And it had a letter on it and it was just like, we know that like times are hard right now. Um, This is when she was still like unable to move very much. We know that times are hard right now, but if you can like, please try and use this to have fun. Like we know we have bills and stuff, but like just try your hardest. Like we appreciate you as a person. We appreciate your mother, like, try and make some time to feel joy in this like low point. And like, these are people at the time, like I don't even know who they are because they sent it anonymously. I still don't know who they are, but the fact that people would in this cold world set aside what was not a small sum of money uh, just for us to, to try and experience some degree of joy in like a low point. It means a world. It's more than the world. So, yeah. Did people even impact? Yes. Do I know who they are? No. But I think that's that's why I'm so drawn to Christianity, that people like that exist because of those teachings, right? The idea of, okay, if that was me in that situation, what do I want someone else to do for me? That's a golden rule. You know, treat others as you would want to be treated. That's our rule number one. He was like, how can I condense all the teachings I'm about to say? Yeah, just treat other people the way you want to be treated. Be. If you can remember that, then you can be, you can start making progress you know, towards living like Jesus,
1: which is the main goal. And
2: that's so easy. If you can remember to do it, it's so easy.
1: I think because we are human and we have times of fault, It's yeah. you're going to... Be mad at somebody, you're gonna be. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have a maybe a negative perspective of 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 someone, and then be in the car and say, "You mother Why are you driving so so slow? You know, like (laughs) having that rage." Rage, but in like you don't know what's happened in that car, you know, and just that reminder, just you're trying to remember in the moment and like taking a step back and taking a breath and being like, "It's okay."
2: Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had low points and, you know, if you've ever been in a low point in your life, that one person who was nice to you, you probably remember them a lot more because it's just that much more meaningful for someone to go out of their way to excuse you.
1: Would you want to meet the person that sent you all that money, sent you all that letter?
2: Absolutely. I'd want to say thank you. We know that
1: you're listening, so...
2: Oh, hey, if you're listening, come hit me up at church. Get you a big old hug.
1: and that's that's special. I Man, that's tough. Man, I wonder why they would send it anonymously. Anonymously.
2: Well, I think because it's 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 not about who's giving it. It's not about us. Like uh, the things that we do as Christians, all the good deeds, and things that we do for other people, is never supposed to be for our own gain, our own glory. It's all attributed to the one who put us in that position to be able to give. who is God. And I think that that makes it so much better. You're living for something that's bigger than yourself. Because after you die, it doesn't matter how big you are. There's a, oh man, some like statue or a, a plinth of where a statue used to be. And it's got written in some ancient text like, here lies the great king blank and it's been scratched out who was so amazing that he made this awesome statue and the statue's gone it's like i bet that guy was really cool when he was alive but we don't even know who he is anymore so what did it matter but the ability to touch another person's life and just be a part of something bigger i think a lot of people want to be a part of something bigger but This for yourself it's not it's not big enough
1: I think that yeah, you know, I say it didn't matter like he didn't matter but I take that back a little bit I, I think that person who was big enough maybe there's also slave labor he could have just told him what to write and to do the thing right like that, that's definitely a thing but there are people who were that good in their life that made that kind of an impact on people that ended up pushing my ended up pushing me to be a better person. And because I'm a better person now I can make other people better. and That, that ripple effect. I think that one person has, just like you said earlier, it's like you have that you have the opportunity to make an impact a lot bigger than you think that, that, that one high, that one conversation, that one little thing that seems so little, can put somebody in a position that they would never never been in. Like I, I had a coach who I'd have to drive to Edinburgh for, which is probably about 20 minutes or so from, from home. My dad would drive me and until I could finally drive and I didn't really know anything about powerlifting at the time. And he kind of took me into the gym with the river Rat gym. And I first started getting like my first outside coaching from this guy and he didn't ever charge me anything. And I don't think I would be here today without that experience. I would never be able to to have an impact on the clients that I've had, like to be able to coach somebody. And it all originated at that point. Or it, and I think it even goes further beyond that. It's like the fact that my grandfather, my grandparents came over to the States to give my parents an opportunity that they could make enough money that I could then go to that place because my parents when they were my age they couldn't have gone. They just did dad and my dad's dad was 80 like, like 80 something year. he was born in 1890 something and so he was like 70 something when he had my dad so he took care of my dad or my dad took care of him and it's like he, he didn't have an opportunity to go play football. He didn't have the opportunity to go be in powerlifting. He had to work. He was a migrant and so the fact that he went through all that so that I can be now with a master's degree. It's like all those little things. That, that guy, that king, maybe the statue didn't mean anything. But who is now a Harvard graduate because of that lineage? Right? Who, what what impact did he leave? And it's probably a lot bigger than we think it is.
2: Maybe so. But the idea of creating something just to be like, look how cool I am. Well, no one knows how cool he
1: is because we don't even know who yeah, he is. Fair point. Fair point. I that's,
2: think that's what I'm getting.
1: I, at. I, I I see that. I see that. Uh,
2: but definitely the the sacrifices for for something bigger than yourself. That's what makes I think life worth.
1: That's that's I think the the moral of that of that story. It's something bigger than you. Understand that this that this place is bigger than you because you're gonna die. You're gonna be buried with your money. That's where it goes. It goes into the grave, like. Leave something behind that's that's nice. What, what would you want to do? Like, how would you want to, like, make it? I guess it sounds like, and I, and I remember definitely, and somebody told me not so long ago, like, I was super egotistical or super selfish when I was in powerlifting. It was like, it was all about me. It was like, I can't go do shit. I, I need to mm. well, clean, all, all the things. So I think that, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overstepping here. But you are currently in that position. Where you're like, I've got to take care of my shit. Right. And it's, it's a selfish mentality and you giving yourself a deadline of 30 years old or so um, after you're 30. And I know you said you don't really like to look into the future, but how would you and, and is it personal training? Is that the way that you're able to help and make an impact and, and leave that and and not maybe be have like leave this selfish piece? Because I think that having the selfish piece is important. I think it, I think it's a necessary part of the pro, uh, growing process. Do you think after the fact, like where, where does it where does it lead you?
2: Right, um, I think, well, just to speak on like the whole like the selfishness of it, I think someone said that there's three good things that is required to be like um, a good athlete, and it's talent, hard work, and an ego. All the people at the top, they have all three of those Fuck things, <laughs> That's right, amazing. so That's I so definitely good. agree with you, and so and I don't know if. I would consider I do have an ego, um, but I know that that's going to be temporary. That's not something I want to be a part of my life all the whole time, which is why I'm cutting off, you know, by the time I'm 30, unless I'm, you know, going internationally at 30, which is kind of hard. So I don't see it happening, right? Um, I'm cutting it off there because I think it's worthwhile for me to pursue this because it is something that just like really speaks to me. But I think after that, Uh, For me, any kind of way that I can serve or help people grow, it doesn't have to be coaching or training. That's just the best way I see um, myself being able to provide a living Um, because it does come kind of naturally to me. And I would enjoy that process, I think, of of seeing people get stronger, get better, or be more capable doing whatever it is they want to do. And then through that, you know, if that opens up opportunities to speak about, you know, why I'm doing it, then so be
1: it. What do they call it? They, um, it's not like when you speak on your own experiences, it's they, they have a name for testimony? A testimony. Would like, would that be something that you would want to like be able to speak your testimony out to another, like to, to other, I don't know, churches or groups, or is the like, is this podcast part of that? Like, uh, like, like, is this like a, a an entry to that idea? Like, does this seem like something that would be you know, something you would want to continue to do? Now you've done it, I guess, once, kind of ish. Now,
2: yeah, for sure. I think I, I was driving on the way here, and I wasn't sure, you know, what all we would talk about, but I definitely wanted to include my spiritual background. I guess because I think that. It really is such a big part of who I am, and um, I don't outwardly express that a lot. So if I have this platform, why not use it at that point? I think I would definitely be interested interested in uh, sharing that with more people. Um, I'm generally like a don't speak unless spoken to kind of person, so I will probably not... For the time being, like be looking for ways to do that. But if someone asks me, absolutely. I love sharing when people ask me. Um, because someone who isn't really interested in what you have to say, like, I don't know, it's just a waste of time for them. It's a waste of time for you if they're not listening. Yeah. They could just not listen. Yeah. But at that point, I mean, I would rather, you know, go do something else with your time. Your time's so valuable
1: if you're talking to a hundred people and 50 of them aren't interested, but you impact the other 50.
2: All right. That's worth,
1: <laughs> you know, like it seems like a pretty, a pretty fruitful testimony. You
0: know, like talking to one-on-one
1: is one thing, you know, that I think that's, that can be difficult with people. Like there's people that are just hard headed. that just don't listen to you. Um, that you're just constantly kind of like, Oh fuck this. This is a waste of my time. Um, but then there's other people that you're like, I can really, Know, make make an impact with with this group of people.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I guess, considered the value of my own story.
1: Because I mean, I don't know. I'm living it, so I don't think we ever really do. I don't think we ever do. But I think yeah. it's just just talking about it more. And like, yeah, I think
2: my mom would be
1: really cool. If she shared her experiences. Let's get her own me we doing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you want to get
2: all on the podcast? <laughs> hey yo, I might I am hit her up. I'll ask I mean,
1: her. I mean, seriously, I, I think, um, I think that we can. There's, and I don't know how necessarily big this ever gets. I don't. I don't really know, but I think that even if you impact a couple of people, like you, you make it makes a difference. Like your story, even if there's nuggets in here that only because let's say there's a hundred nuggets in here, right? That people can really like, get from. Let's say five of those nuggets are for a specific person at that time in their life that are needing to hear it. Another 10 nuggets are for another couple people and not everyone's going to ever get all 100 things, but it's something that they can revisit and be like, you know, I kind of, I enjoyed, it. I got a couple nuggets out of there. Maybe next time I'm going to go back and see what else I can find. Right. Like it's just, and, and then, you know, in that moment, they're like, man, this sounds like this reminds me of my Gigi. Damn. Like, I'm going to send this to Gigi, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to send this to my brother because me and my brother relate on this, on this little mm. topic here. And, and we can, we can communicate about it. And it's like, Oh man, somebody else out there experienced that same kind of thing. Like I'm going to message CJ on, on Instagram and, and I want to create a relationship with CJ. Cause now like him and I share something in common. And I think they making that, I think in today's society, and I could, I don't know if you feel the same way, but um, I feel like it's so hard to have a community. Like, to find friends, to find a group of people like you can, like really, like jive with, um, can be difficult at times because I feel like a lot of times we're always, it, it like talking to people is hard, sharing, it, being vulnerable, like, those things are they're like they're ridiculed almost like if you speak out of line a little too much, then they're like oh my god this guy I can't believe it. and you say that one thing and you lose somebody it's yeah. it's so scary you have to feel like you're like walking on eggshells. It's like, man, I'm not gonna say everything perfect. Neither are you. Yeah. I'm not gonna hold it against you as long, as, like it's just it's a reality. It's just as long as you don't hold it against me. But and like, like I'm not not in a, um, not demonic, but a manipulative way, like or a, a, but like a just you exist, I exist, we can exist together. You're gonna say dumb shit. I'm gonna say dumb shit. Let's talk about the dumb shit. Like if it really bothered yeah. you, let's talk about it, you know? And I don't think that mentality is necessarily appreciated all the time.
2: Yeah, I think community people always want to belong to a community, I think, but it's it's difficult to find the the right group of people to be alongside you. My my rule of thumb has always just been like. The people I keep around me are usually people who do something that I want to do better than I do it. And I think that that has always proven to be very helpful to me. Um, And also, they're generally just not like dirtbags or, you know, into some scummy stuff Uh, that helps for sure. But having people who can help you grow, I think that's the most important thing you should look for in a community which is again why I I love the church so much. I mean, we're all trying to grow together this one common goal. And even if I didn't believe everything I'm hearing, there's so much good advice that works just being preached every Sunday, Wednesday, Bible study, whatever. Like, I don't know. It has too much value for me to miss out. But there are lots of other things that don't have any real value, but people still subscribe just for the community. Like, like, well, like you were saying with the whole, uh, um, like, Oh, this is healthy. Now people redefining what it means to be healthy. Why are we doing that?
0: What <laughs> why, why are we doing? that?
2: It's a good question. Why, why are we doing that? <laughs> That's a really good question. You know what? Why do we need to redefine that? question
1: i couldn't answer it people feel more comfortable with mediocrity i think
2: comfort that's a big yeah. uh issue to grow you have to get outside your comfort zone
1: growing's hard
2: it is but it's necessary i think it's absolutely
1: necessary do you think the gym is that for you like does does Pushing yourself in the gym translates to pushing yourself out of the gym.
2: For sure. There are things that like will carry over. Like I was saying earlier with the whole, like I get defeated by a clean or a front squat and then I go back seconds later and I hit it. Right. That teaches me perseverance. um, And, you know, maybe aggression when it comes to trying to get something done. Like uh, sometimes, if I'm being lazy, I'll just be like, "Oh, I'll do it tomorrow." Why don't I do it now? Um, a lot of those things you can learn from the gym, but um, what was the question?
1: Do you think that you have items that you have gotten out of the gym that transfer into your daily life that help you continue to push that? Um, or that does I think a better a, the better question I guess would be or more directed question would be, Do you think that? pushing yourself in the gym and and pushing that boundary is something that carries over into your daily life. Like, is that level of like, is it, is it, do you have that mentality that you need to be uncomfortable because of the gym? Like, is that where it originates?
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. You don't grow without, without making yourself uncomfortable in the gym. If you leave the gym all the time and, and your body feels the same, it's probably going to be the same when you come back. Most of the time, right? To initiate change, you have to add in a new stimulus, right? And then the body adapts to that. And then you can continue to change the stimulus and create those adaptations, right? And if you want to grow as a person, hopefully you can choose the right stimulus to apply to your life to encourage you to grow in whatever direction you want to grow in.
1: A, there's a quote about
0: <laughs> a
1: a man without a, I'm going to fucking paraphrase the show this is probably going to be a terrible paraphrase but Let's a, do it. a man without a plan is like a sailboat Without a sail, it's like floating in the wind, but not really going anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And understanding that—I forgot that how this related, but it it did some sort of way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how
1: I was gonna link all this back together, but it just it disappeared. Um, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Hey, and you know, I'm I'm not gonna edit it out either. I want people to fucking notice i feel like there's going to be like perfect podcasts and, and you can tell that there's edited pieces of it like i'm going to edit the sound quality like the parts that i want to remove um like the, the stuff that people just don't necessarily know i think be more, more personal um but i think for the most part keep it as raw as you possibly can you know like
2: podcasting's hard
1: it is it's odd like I feel like – because I love – the reason I started was that I love the conversation. I love talking to people. I love getting to know somebody. And I think the reason that I was like, oh, man, I'm on the fucking – on the gym kick was because there's people at the gym that you walk by every single day that like there's an entire human being with a whole lot of thoughts in there that are like – that we all share a common thing. Like maybe they don't have any thoughts and you realize that in the podcast. It's like, oh, this person's a – person. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for the most part, people have <laughs> thoughts
0: and so like – <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they don't have good thoughts. You're like, oh god. No,
1: you're you're just in there to exist. Okay, cool. Um, and that that's a reality, and I, you need those people in the world. But either way, mm. um, it's it it started getting really interesting, like adding all the extra equipment. Like, okay, now there's this arm in front of me that I have to like, like I look at, but don't really look at. I'm looking at the person, and they have headphones on, and we're like. We're in, like, ideally, we're in each other's ears. I'm in my own ears. Like, I can hear myself. This like, it's it's odd. Like, it changes the dynamic of the conversation. But I think, ideally, as I continue to get better at this as a host, it's like, I can create an environment that still feels as comfortable as it was We're just hanging out at the bar. You know, like, we're just Absolutely. shooting the shit or hanging out at the gym or, what, you know, whatever. I, I use the bar because I feel like that's a, a, a common thing. But at the same time, I kind of want get, to get out of that, like, sitting on a bench at the park you know as as wholesome as that can be just having a good conversation with someone at the park like that is the i think the ultimate goal of what of, of what I would try to like hopefully offer for the podcast and have people come on and be like that was really nice man thanks um and
2: yeah this is here dude if it was wintertime, a little fire a little whiskey
1: it's a good time it's the vibes it's the vibes exactly
2: you're definitely on your way
1: hopefully and i get some
2: no, I know. Hopefully, like, no, sure.
1: you see, and I, I have. I have I struggle with that as well. Like I think, you, and I think you do as well. Sometimes yeah. it's like accepting the fact that I am. I am on the way. I am. I am on the journey. I've started the journey, and I'm on it. And we're rolling with it, and we'll see where it goes. Um, and I think as long as I continue to put good, honest work, it's only one way of up, right?
2: Sometimes somebody just got to tell you, "Hey, man, it's working. It's working."
1: Well, man, anything else that you would like to, to talk about? I don't, know, I don't even know how long we would going, to be honest with you. been a
2: minute. Been a minute.
1: Two hours and 17 minutes. I I yeah,
2: that's not bad. Um, anything else I want to talk about? No, not really. Um, I guess like could plug in my Instagram. Plug it. In. At uh, No Jam S-N. All one word. Spell it. N-O-J-A-M-S-N. That's it.
1: I did not know that, that was I thought it was like CJ something <laughs> or other.
2: No. no. It's a little inside a joke uh, with some friends I made in college. What is, Korean it? friends.
1: Can, can we have the joke or is that going to be the <laughs> inside joke?
2: I can tell you the first part. I can't tell you the SN part. Okay. But uh, No jam. No jam in Korean means
1: uh, boring. No jam means boring in what language? Korean. Are, do you speak any other languages? Do you uh, I
2: family? used to I used to speak Korean fairly well, but I haven't used it in a long time, so it's it's going. Why'd
1: you pick up Korean?
2: I lived with Korean roommates, um, and I made lots of Korean friends uh, in Abilene. Uh, I also went to Korea for a little while. What'd you in
1: Korea? Like, Korea? We're not gonna Ooh. fucking finish this podcast now. <laughs> what, do you, what what what'd you do in Korea? What the fuck? How long are you there?
2: So. So, yeah, that first year of college, I, I left ACU, but uh, I had my Korean friends come and stay with me over spring break because they're international. Where are they going to go? They're just going to sit in the dorms all week. No. Come hang out with me for a week in my my house. Um, and one of them was grateful enough to invite me to go to Korea. And I was like, yeah, I got nothing better to do because I'm not staying in school. So. That's crazy. Yeah, I got to go for three weeks and it was so cool. Um there's a little bit of culture shock um, and I wish I had read up on it before I went because I feel like I you know probably made the classic not from here mistakes, you know, but man, it was so cool just getting to see a completely different culture inside of the world. That was my first time being internationally like traveling internationally I think I'm um, just getting to meet these very kind people in this culture that's completely different from America. Um, in the sense of respect, definitely added a lot of how I respect other people you know there it's it's more based on age, but just this idea of like someone has an inherent respect that you can't take from them because they're older than you, right their language is shaped around that idea I don't know I just thought that was really cool and it. It helped me to, like, view people and and culture and life a little differently. Just a little bit.
1: Very good food. Was the oddest thing that you ate and the best thing you ate?
2: So, I ate raw octopus, um, which was good. It's like eating a rubber band that sticks to your tongue. Um, It's pretty cool. Honestly, it was. And the best thing I ate was probably... I don't know, man. We went to a lot of Korean barbecue places. If you've ever had kalbi, so good. Never oh, have the ribs, short ribs, Korean short ribs. You got to have them. Um, yeah, trying lots of different stews, learning learning to love kimchi. So good. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny the other day for my job. I work in people's houses, and um, I got to the guy's house, and I I could tell that he was uh, from Asia, but not necessarily nowhere. And then I walked in, and I could smell the kimchi in the house. And I was like, "Oh, i bet this guy's <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sure enough, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I left. I hit him with a "noi kiseol," which means like it's goodbye for the person who's staying. is "Oh, <laughs> you speak Korean." I was like,
1: "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And it was a
2: it was a nice little moment.
1: Cool. It's cool. Bring you back to that that moment, those three weeks, and being with that friend and the yeah. experience. Yeah, man. Just all of
0: it. Yeah.
2: Languages are cool. Learning
1: languages is cool. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate
2: it. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. I'm glad you
1: had fun. Well, uh, before we continue to talk about, it, I want to just uh, any thing that you'd like to end off with. Whatever you say, the last, the last, you're gonna have the last word here. So, um, there's a podcast, Andrew Santino. Uh, this podcast, Whiskey Ginger, and he asks for one word or one phrase at the end of, of the podcast. And I kind of want to do something similar, but mm. one and not necessarily one word or one phrase, but kind of a, you, you as long of a monologue as you would like, either a, a little piece of education, somebody that somebody's going to listen to this and be like a little, a little, give me somebody a little nugget that you've gotten in your own life that you have taken away from your experiences, either, um, in career in life, just in life, like something that's going to help somebody is take something away from, from your, from, from the podcast. One, one little monologue, as long as you want, I can edit out the, the, the space time. Um, Mm. but once you finish, I'm going to end off the podcast.
0: Okay. Um,
2: I think for me in my life, the thing that has helped me the most is to seek wisdom and also understanding. Um, So wisdom is just um, how you apply the experiences of your life. But that doesn't mean like the way that you gain more wisdom than you have now or one way that you can do that is by listening to people who are older than you. of people don't want to listen to old people because they're outdated or they have these ideas and thoughts that don't necessarily make sense and in today's time and while that's true um, they also have a lot more life experience than you do so they probably know things that can benefit you if you're willing to listen and sometimes it's difficult because they talk slow or they keep repeating themselves but Learning to understand and just listen probably is the biggest skill that has helped me the most in my life. Learning to listen and then put yourself in those shoes has helped me to adapt to a lot of different situations. So I would encourage all of you to find someone worth listening to. Um, and even if you don't think they're worth listening to, just hear them out for a little while. And, um, give everyone a shot. You don't know who you'll, who you'll learn
0: from. Thank you for
1: listening to the Ben Nevados podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review
0: on iTunes.